All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? today's show uh-huh brought you by Folgers coffee no just kidding you don't even drink coffee no coffee sucks i love coffee it's all about beer i like beer too but <laughs> so we got music from class stuff from toxic bloody six ventral arcona mm-hmm. also got some stuff from hell sick mm-hmm. nick's born those are from vlad and angel pr we Love the Vlad. Like, the Vlad. I feel the like the Impala. I feel like we're always talking to him, and he's always sending. He's been us quiet, th- quiet lately, but I think some of it's just he's busy doing his shit. But he's still sending me shit, and that's good because we got. Look him up right now on Facebook. What's up, Vlad? Lookity, lookity. In the rock block, classic stuff from Dwight Twilly. Brand new stuff from Pisectomy. Yes. There's a new Pisectomy album? And not an album, a song, and it's much different than we've heard before. Are they thinking about going in a different direction than their other mm, album? I don't know, you have to talk with the artist, but... I mean, is it, is it still about pissing and urination? It's called I Fuck Mickey Mouse, so... I know, oh, I heard it, oh, sorry. <laughs> we also got Neko's Pick of the Week, as well as brand new stuff from Running Wild and Lip Biscuit. Yeah, I know, that makes everyone excited. Limp Biscuit. I mean, like, maybe back when I was 19, 20, and you are like, telling me the new Limp Biscuit album was out, I'd be, like, the first in line at Record and Tape Traders, but... I'll put it this way. I listened to the record, and there's 
maybe three to four songs that are decent. I thought most of it. I mean, look, it, it's far more rappy this time than some of the previous stuff. So. But he, he, he's the backwards red hat guy. Yeah. So some people say it's like one of their best albums. I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I can go back to the last couple, not the last record, but Chocolate Starfish and uh, Significant Heather. Those are really, really good records. Um, at least for that type of brand of music. Um, we also got new stuff from Autumn Nostalgia, uh, Ghost Bath, Coffin Creep, stuff from Horror Pain, Inverse. Another request from Kevin. I love when Kevin sends us requests. Yep, he does. And much, much more. We got oh. some. Ooh. Oh. Right. Oh. You look. We have got like the most insane thing happening right here on this desk. I, I'm sorry. I'm ADD. So Anubis has his gaming computer, his podcasting computer, his laptop, and my laptop. We have four computers on this desk. Well, I don't have my main gaming computer on because it does make a lot of noise. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, it's cracking me up because we have four computers. Yeah. So I figured I'd go this route just to see if I can cut down some of the background noise. Even though I've adjusted the mic and everything, so it should cut that kind of stuff out. I'm hoping that, uh... Oh, I, I, crap, I had something else I had to say and I forgot. I forgot uh, what I, I, I meant to, to say. I meant to, and I meant to write it down. Okay, like, we were talking, you were, you said something and I said, ooh. <laughs> ooh, ooh. What, what was the last thing you said? Um, about topics. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, excuse me, the beer's kicking in. So, yeah, we got topics. Yeah, now we got our final, well, our final horror tier rankings today uh, for 2010 to 2020. But Neko had an idea a while back about doing action films and some other stuff. So we might travel down that path later. Because mm -hmm. uh, that would be kind of fun. I don't know how much we'd get out of the 70s, so to speak. There are action films in that period, but... Our top, like, black exploitation films. <laughs> we watched that whole... I don't know if I've watched as many... I mean, I've seen some, obviously, <laughs> but I don't know how many I've seen all together. We could probably just but, do a tier of like well, what we could do going is, over the years. Well, what we could do is do a combination of action and martial oh, arts. Oh, I remember what I was talking about. You were talking about Kevin? Yeah. I need to write this down so I remember. Right. For down. the website. Uh-huh. Figure out a way mm -hmm. to have requests. There actually is a way. And I'll pass it along to our website designer when okay. I get there because... In I'm sorry, I'm very ADD today. In Centova, they actually have an ability with HTML to like create a. Re, uh, it's mainly for the radio request mm -hmm. a song. If it's in there, we'll play it uh, usually. And then if it's not, you'll email me and tell me this was requested but not in the playlist. Yeah, but we want someone to request it so that we announce that Joe Blow requested. Well, we can have a chat box on there, and then they can mm -hmm. say, "Look, next week's episode, I want to hear you. This is mm -hmm, this, mm -hmm, you know." Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's work. That'll work. Um, yeah, Neko had something to talk about with cookies, so we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have So, I've been, I've been really, really, really fat this week. Like, I mean, my birthday was on Monday, which kind of upsets me because... Happy no birthday to you. I kind of like that. <laughs> I, I'm no longer 40 years old. I'm in my 40s now that I'm 41. Um, got me 
you know, some nights I get a little depressed and I drink a little too much wine and I go on the website Googling like cool sculpting and stuff and then I get spammed by all these <laughs> and it's not a lie. That's like... not a lie. She'll, she'll do something and all of a sudden we've got a hundred fucking emails from people like... <laughs> Are yeah, you s- you're selling your house. Great. Or no, but like with the with the cool sculpting, I was like dead. I was set on it. I was like, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna go and get the the. And I filled out the form, and then they just won't stop calling me. And now they have someone new calling me and sending me emails, and I'm like, oh my god. Anyway, so as a fat girl, I everybody always like makes the joke. About Oreos and, and Hydrox. is like Hydrox was like the ripoff of Oreo. I've never even heard of it. Well, it's, they have like little sunshines or something. It's like, <laughs> I'm sure you ate them because Binky probably bought them and not Oreos because they're cheaper than Oreos. Doubtful. You probably didn't even get cookies. <laughs> no. Hydro- socks. Hydrox, they have like a floral pattern on them. And Oreos, what do they have? It's like... I, I don't know. It, it almost looks like a stamp, basically, on the top. But anyway, as of 2017... <laughs> <laughs> Was that your stomach? I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. Something's like... Was that the cat's belly growling? Oh my goodness. I wonder if Mike actually picked that up. That would be hysterical. Okay, we are so... Because it was like dead silent. We are so off. Because I was like, yeah, by 2017. In 2017, 40 billion Oreos were produced. 40 billion. And... Dude, they had... I kid you not, like, decade ago, man, they had the ones that were... For Halloween, that was the orange cream and mm-hmm. the oh, double stuff. Mm. Yeah. I liked the um, most stuff, the ones that are like this thick. And then mm-hmm. somebody had them out at work. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why do you do this? I don't have any control at all. No self control. No self control. This is why in our house, we like are very strict about p- buying things. We go to my parents' house who. They have self-control, but and they'll, not, yeah, they do. They do. We don't. But then they're like, "Oh, well, here's a whole fucking cake. Just take it with you." Mm, or they'll be like, they'll have candy dishes out with. Yeah. I'm like, oh. anyway, so everybody thought that Hydrox was the copycat of Oreos. However, Sunshine Biscuits, which were originally. Hydrox, that's the company. That's why they have like the little floral pattern. It probably didn't do very well because of the fucking name. It's stupid. Exactly. So they were created in 1908. Mm -hmm. Oreo was created in 1912. They're pretty much the same thing. But Oreos really hit the scene to compete. Hydrox sounds like peroxide. I, the name of the company was a misplaced mashup of hydrogen and oxygen, which was supposed to suggest the purity of the product. So. It's like cocaine. <laughs> purity. Oreos were owned by Nabisco, the National Biscuit. Jesus Christ, I sound like I sound like Chip Douglas. <laughs> and they were called the highest class biscuits. But they didn't immediately overtake Hydrox. 
it took a few decades and then there was a redesign and an aggressive ad campaign plus oreos raised their prices to be more expensive than hydrox and their sales like started going crazy in the 50s and then sunshine went belly up and hydrox was um ping-ponged between uh american american tobacco this is hysterical keebler kellogg's keebler attempted because keebler has all those great like keebler l keebler is great like they have really good cookies they they read they tried to change the name to droxies instead of hydrox but droxies and after only two years after Kellogg's assumed ownership, Hydrox was off the market. So the 2001, Hydrox was off the market. So then it lasted that long. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then in 2019, the net revenue was 3.1 billion, and then with 92 million cookies sold, and um, cookie leaf brands. <laughs> Re- nom, 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 nom. reintroduced Hydrox in 2015 and they are throwing shade at Oreo saying don't eat a knockoff pointing out its cookies are darker chocolate and crunchier with a less sweet filling I don't know if that's better because like I'm more about the sweet filling than I like the white cream in yeah, yeah, everyone I mean like and then the company also calls attention using they're using real cane sugar and um, they don't have hydrogenated oils and artificial flavors. So, are, are we going to have to do one of those like food of the round table things where we have to get one of each and try it? I think we should do a blind taste test. Yeah. Like, I'm very curious. I've never had a Hydrox cookie, so like I, I've never heard of it, and I can kind of see why they're a little bit angry. I mean, you, you come out with a product, and then two years later, someone else comes out wanted it. But they made it better. Right. And they marketed it better. Right. So now what Leaf Brands is doing is is aiming at the moms, the crunchy people. Because like, you know there's people like, oh, I eat only clean foods. I don't have... So it's only sugar. There's no high t- fructose corn syrup. They don't have hydrogenated oils. They don't have artificial flavors, so it's like real chocolate, real um, sugar, and whatever you make with uh, the cream to make it have that consistency, like butter, and it's all like eggs, butter, that's what they're saying is in their cookie. So, they're also trying to hit the people who are all about American jobs. Hydrox only does manufacturing in the United States, whereas Oreo has moved their uh, production to Mexico. Uh-huh. And on the package for Hydrox, it says, right, I mean, this this is why they, because they, look at this shitty-ass package. Made, proudly made in the USA, which is great, but it's just like, it looks like, if you look at Oreo, it's fun and bouncy. Yeah. But this looks like something from 1960. Right. I feel like if they... Yeah, they're really banking on the whole, like, oh... We're in America, which is good, but, you know, whoever's doing their advertising PR sucks. Because, like, that, like you said, they cover there just looks so dated. Like, you gotta step up your game. This is why Oreo succeeds. They get they get fun with it. They You know, it draws in kids. Kids are the ones that draw to these sweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, when mom and dad goes to the supermarket, 
Kids are like, Mommy, Mommy, look at this orange fucking Oreo. It's double stuffed. So what's also interesting, too, is Hydrox Cookie also um, has filed suit against Oreo because apparently, you know how, like, a lot of bigger brands like Coke, Dorito, they have their manufacturers and their reps come and deliver it right to the store and set up the... the Display, yeah. They're claiming that Oreo people were purposely, like, moving the Hydrox, like, as they came and set up their Oreo display, they would, like, move their the Hydrox cookies because they don't do any of that. They just ship it to the store, and then the store people set it up. Bigger place, and a lot of, um, a lot of beer. Well, that's going to be hard for them to really But I guess they have prove. proof because, oh, really? because they were saying that they were finding Hydrox hidden behind other cookies and not out on display. Oh, wow. Saying that whoever... Is. <laughs> so they're they're dealing with that now too. So this is like turned into this huge cookie soap opera. The, the cookie feud. Now, I feel like we do need to do a t taste test because I. Yeah, I'd be very generally curious about what makes it so much different. Like they're really pushing that it's different, so I want to see what it's like. So, sorry, sorry, Chad Diggs, we're going to steal your idea here. Well, I mean, everybody can have a taste test, but these... I can't remember the last time I got Hydrox, because we don't really buy cookies. And my mom, when she if she buys Oreos, she's going to buy Oreos. She's not going to buy Hydrox. But basically, since they've reformulated, and it's only sugar, and it's... it's I've never heard of Hydrox. It's, it's, it's really the worst fucking name for mm -hmm. a cookie. But see, now it's to the point that they can't change the name because it's got so much it's history branded. and it's yeah. it's a clout. But that they, they've also got the tainted image of being the knockoff Oreo. So people are saying that the cookie is more chocolatey right. than well, than out. the Oreo, but the the center is less sweet. But the cookie is. You know how sometimes Oreos, if they sit too long, they're like kind of chewy. Stale. Yeah. They're these cookies are almost more like a. I don't want to say like a cracker, but they have a real crispness to so them. So it's almost like a Kit Kat. Maybe. So they're saying that Hydrox has a smoother cream and less cloying sweetness that pairs well with their type of cookie. So or, or Hydrox did not make the cut among the top two alternatives listed because they did because there was a bunch of different sandwich cookies anyway. So like Oreo, I guess people just have the um, the name or the taste in their mouth. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm really interested though because I I want to find a. a box of Hydrox at the grocery store. I actually just went and liked their page. I don't know. And someone just, I'm, I'm reading one Hydrox. It's like, um, Amazon canceled my order. <laughs> oh, For shit. Hydrox? Yeah. Amazon sells out quickly and they now have a new policy restricting how much our cookies we can send to their store. It is, oh, that's crazy. Wow. Th this is getting like deep because now People are at Hydrox because it's a smaller company. They're not able to keep up with the production that the supply and demand. So, 
But there's, they seem to be still around, and um, we'll see if we can get a hold of that. I'm gonna look. Maybe on Amazon they do have a thing. Of, I mean, we find ten thousand Oreos. Just go to go to any convenience Dial, store. I have like twenty different brands, right? different types of Oreo but cookies. I just thought it was interesting for, um, you know, may, I can't believe you've never heard about Hydrox and Oreo Showdown. Mm, no, I know the Oreo. Oreo goes back years, mm -hmm. but fucking Hydrox, never heard of it. All right, well, in our first block of music, first black. Bloody Six, Toxic, Classic Stuff from Nip. How about some classic stuff from Iron Maiden? I'd love to hear some. From Number of the Beast, Hallowed Be Thy Name. Reflecting on my 
for mind wars. Turn it up and remember started seeing trailers and promos for a show called our movie called house of gucci and i don't think he understands like gucci is a big huge fashion empire well, i don't know who gucci is mm. uh however the story behind it i knew nothing about it but it's packed with like some serious great actors uh adam driver i don't want to say he's great himself but he's all right jared leto Jeremy Irons, definitely. Al Pacino, definitely. Uh, and I'm really, really surprised. Like, I could give a fucking rat's ass about her music, but Lady Gaga is fucking great as an actress. I've seen her in that. Um, Star is Born? Yes. She is very, very good. She's a great actress. She was even good in Hotel, uh, the American Horror Story. The one we never finished? I couldn't fit. The, like, the story itself was not good enough um no but i'm just so amazed like i love lady gaga's music but i i well no she's a good performer and singer obviously but like it's just not my style but the thing is like when artists musical artists go in to do acting like even ice t ice cube like these guys can make a living doing acting and it's really impressive like even like i haven't seen too many films but was a selena gomez she does a lot of films now and shows like that so they all kind of make their way through the acting stuff and like dwayne johnson was a wrestler and i'm still baffled that he's so good at acting and so popular right like. <laughs> but for lady gaga man like just watching the promos for this film like i'm like wow she is fucking amazing and you know some of the hype right now about the the movie is that it's being compared to stuff like the godfather in terms of storylines uh and the acting and everything and like i don't know the backstory to it all neko probably would uh, i know a little bit and this movie was based um on a book called the house of gucci and the book was published in 2001 and this movie's been in development for years apparently uh, I initially when they were when Ridley Scott was thinking about doing this, he was looking at Angelina Jolie and Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie. But now, um, I mean, Lady Gaga back then was just a glimmer, you know. Like, and now we see her acting chops and her performing chops, and she's she's like a legend. And to get Lady Gaga, like, I think it's funny because you look at some other, let's just say Madonna. She's not a good actress, I don't think. She was okay in a league of their own. And um, yeah, you know, I saw and she and she did and Susan and everything. Yeah, and she was okay in um the Evita musical movie, but I would hope she would be okay in 
the Evita musical movie, but Lady Gaga, like... Yeah, it, it's, like, world's different. Her um, acting, and she she's worked really hard, um... You know, she had has been trying and trying, and she is so, like, talented. Like, everything she does, um, you know, she does a lot of her own writing and, and playing. And you told me at one time she was someone who was just, like, a uh, a YouTube star or something? Before no, she, she got... was a reality TV star. She yeah. was going on all these reality TV shows to try to, like, at least get producers to notice her. Because I'm trying to think what it was. It was, it was something I was watching... And um, her name is actually Stephanie, um, I forgot her last name, but it said, like, Stephanie, it starts with a G, and I'm probably gonna, it's like Molly or something, and then I'm like, oh my god, that's Lady Gaga, and then you look at her, because, you know, Lady Gaga has always been doing the real blonde hair for a while, and in this, this was, like, early 2000s, it's all dark hair, and I'm like, it really is her, mm-hmm. and... I just she she's just so fascinating to me. Um, she's the original like. I swear to God, Billie Eilish I think is trying to be Lady Gaga, like just trying to be so odd. Eccentric. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I um. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't really knock Billie Eilish too much. Uh, the reality is, with a lot of these pop stars, that they have to kind of reinvent themselves. So in mm-hmm. order to try to stand out, like. One thing that stood out for Lady Gaga was that she was always eccentric with her looks and her music and the videos and you know that that's pretty fascinating stuff for her to do. You didn't watch the Lady Gaga documentary with me. No. It's really good because it, it was leading up to her big um, halftime show. Maybe I'll do that for a uh, while. Eat crabs at night. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good, and you know, cause she, like any person, she's even though she is a huge superstar it's like she goes up and down and up and down and it's like you know it doesn't matter what she does she she'll she always feels criticized and then well I mean, yeah but she's i mean i'm sure she understands by now that's how it goes every, and it happened every with slip. taylor swift too i remember because yeah. i watched her documentary yeah. and sometimes she would actually just be like totally heartbroken and and taylor swift said at one point like because she disappeared for a year and just kind of like kept to herself and she's like people were just slamming me so bad and I just thought that's what people want just for me and then I started writing again and when I came the one that you like um so much that has um that one song that you like by Taylor Swift the one song yeah blank space so that one came out and it was before that came out She's like, I just was spending time at home and writing, and then that comes out, and she's like, it was just like a big boost of. I, well, can I think do that's this. sort of thing. That's, Same thing with Lady Gaga too. Bit, like I've noticed recently, Emma with this COP twenty six thing coming out with, mm-hmm. about the environment, she's been more active with that. But she was quiet for almost two years, just sitting back. And I think sometimes celebrities and musicians and actors they need to kind of just take a break. And I think that. that's probably what what happened with. With all these larger, I mean, like, so, Germana, Germanata's is Lady Gaga's last name. But there's this guy, Eric Davis, who writes for Fandango and uh, Rotten Tomatoes reviews for them. He's, like, tweeted, uh, House of Gucci has a definite 
Godfather vibe with rich with family betrayal, transformative performances, lots of backstabbing, and it's definitely more serious than it is campy. Lady Gaga is incredible, as is Jared Leto, and the story is wild. The attention to detail is impeccable. So that's his tweet for that. Um, Simon Thompson wrote, it, House of Gucci is Shakespearean in its execution, a solid story of greed and hunger for success at any cost. Is dotted with tragedy, comedy interludes, both entertaining in different ways. With solid performances, if campy and over edge sometimes, it works, but it could do with a trim. So I guess his criticism is there's Too like long. a little long, but. This, but that, see, I don't mind that because if, if I'm it's good. Yeah, because sometimes, like we've talked about, like Brother of the Wolf, you almost have to have that extra stuff in there. To set up the next thing that they're going into. And I told you with me watching it the second time, I still felt it was long, but I enjoyed it more. And it just might be like, because after I watched Brotherhood of the Wolf the first time. Yeah, you wrote it off. I was like, the worst movie I've ever fucking You're seen. You're like, no. And then I watched it again and I'm like, it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's actually got a really good story to it. I, I just think they overdid like a little like they made these fight scenes 10 minutes long and if you cut them down a little bit it would have made them anyway but um what i'm what i the reason why i think this one is long because it's not it's something that we're spanning over decades and generations of the family who you know created and owns gucci so the only thing i know roughly about it is Gaga's character plays a woman who I'm assuming is accused of murdering her husband is that something of the plot like I don't really know that's the thing that I don't know she's portraying this woman here right I can't find where's her name Marzino damn it i am the worst i am either way so lady gucci elizabeth uh i think that was the title yeah so patrizia it's it's his ex-wife patrizia rigiani that's who she's they were um so she is the ex-wife of gucci and they were both in their early 20s when they met at a party of a milan elite he is the grandson of the House of Gucci founder. So, this is starting in the third generation, and they were married in 72. Mm. So, that's why they're kind of hitting those godfather, like, right. crosses. Um, and I find, I'm, like, looking at all of this that I'm scrolling through, really. I should have read this ahead of time. Um... But they ended up getting divorced, and she was very bitter. And um, and it was also a well-known fact that she was looking for a hitman. So I kind of want to read the House of Gucci book, but I also want to see the movie. And because this is kind of based off of reality, I don't think it'll hurt me if I read the book and watch the movie. Whereas there are some movies that I saw, and I read the book, and I'm like, okay, now I don't like the book. And then there's some times where I read the, the book and see the movie, and I'm like, the movie is actually better. So it's just, it's 
for me, I can't wait to see this because what were we seeing? It was James Bond. And it was one of the trailers. Right. And I said, this is going to be really good. Because I actually forgot about a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it is very Godfather-like. There's a lot of money going around. There's, you know, someone important being murdered. Um, she actually ended up going to jail and was released at, in 2014 which was like for a work release thing so well another tweet from someone named Ben Allen I believe he works for a British GQ he's like House of Gucci is fashion goodfellas and Gaga is Joe Pesci I love that but there is some negatives uh, Scott Menzel who I don't know who it is but he's a certified Twitter person House of Gucci is a bloated and uneven mess that feels like two different movies rolled in one. Every single cast member acts as though they are in a different movie except for Al Pacino, who seems to have understood that Simon serves as the film's MVP. Uh, Ann Thompson, House of Gucci is a crowd pleaser that critics will not support. At the Academy's end the screen last week, SAG actors showed support for the film's most egregious scene chewers. Lady Gaga and Jared Leto, who may squeak into SAG or Oscar race, but could have used the Golden Globes. Mm. Um, I don't know what that all means, really. But, uh, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued, and I am a fan of Gaga in terms of her acting, so, like, I'm I'm probably going to watch this. I know you are, too, whenever we get a chance to really view it. Hey, Tuesday nights, you work Tuesdays, but, like, they might have a late show over there. Tuesdays is the $6 day at yeah. flagship cinemas. But with the busy season coming, you may be out there late again. No fucks given. I'll be out there in movies. Movies turn me on. <laughs> 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 so let's see. I mean, and the other thing I've noticed a lot of, um, a lot of times they, they've been releasing things at home and in the movies. And I think that um, it kind of, I think this is what's going to, like, this next year is really what's going to, um, I don't know if I'm, I'm saying this right. It's going to really see if the movie industry is going to recover. Because if you have the capability, because we've done it, because we have subscriptions, we've watched movies at home. But, if we, um, if they can stop, like, I don't know what the right word is, um, streaming at home and releasing in the movie, and the movie industry continues to thrive, then we know that movie, you know, you're gonna have these big blockbuster movies back again. Does that make sense? Am I saying that the right way? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, so they're also doing at at the movie theater. We like purchase a hundred dollars in gift cards and get twenty five dollars in gift cards so for free. <laughs> well, I know they're doing the whole like you know two sodas and popcorn for cheaper than it was, and you can refill too. So I was like, mm. that's right, because you got the. Uh, I've got like three fucking containers. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And right now, I'm, I'm looking at at what's out in the, um, in the theaters. And we're really, you know, we're trying, like, because Venom is still out, Let There Be Carnage. Dune is out, but Dune is also... Yeah, I just watched it on... On HBO. Max, yeah. Um, Clifford the Big Red Dog, The Eternals, Antlers, isn't that also available on, um... No, I don't think it's on anything, but people have talked about it, but, you know, again, I think right now the most... I'd be more excited about House of Gucci than anything. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's... It's not that Antlers or Eternals would be necessarily bad. I just I haven't heard anything that's like says they're like mind blowing. Well, House of Gucci looks like on the twenty third, which might work out because they have a seven fifteen showing. Oh no, 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 oh no! It's the crickets. So. Tell them about the spider. So, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've discussed any of the issues with spiders. Like, I, I purchased a pumpkin patch tarantula a few weeks ago, assuming it was going to be about three to four inches large, you know, like... Thinking it was close to full grown. I've been watching Day's Beasties' uh, YouTube channel, and he discussed with his knowledge and information about how to create a bioactive enclosure so i went the whole nine got my i think it's 12 by 12 uh enclosure and set it all up thinking okay i've got this three to four inch spider coming it's gonna be cool because it's a very cool looking spider uh it's one of the beginner spiders and it's easy to maintain so i get it and it's about the size of a dime so it's a spiderling of sorts and so now i've moved it to a tupperware container temporarily uh, what she's fine with uh, because of the size but I had the enclosure sitting there and I'm like well I was talking with Neko last night I was like you know maybe I should just go ahead and get another spider for the larger enclosure and then if once because it's going to take a couple of years for the pumpkin patch to get to about that size since it's so small and the small. pumpkin patch's name is Patches and when we say she's small she's about the size of Maybe a dime or a nickel, not even a no, quarter. No, <laughs> uh, when I first tried to find her, I could not find her. Like, I thought I lost her the first day that I got mm -hmm. it because you know, she probably played dead. Uh, and she's got a lot of brown in there, yeah, but she she's good at hiding, yes, she is. So uh, the other day, again, I went looking for her a little bit because I was just concerned. I didn't know what she's doing. I know she's probably planning on uh, molting soon. I don't know what's going on over there. We're having a bad, bad show here. Sorry. No, it's okay. What I'll do is uh, we'll go ahead and kick into the music. And then we'll talk some more about the spiders. Yeah. <laughs> so here's some uh, classic fin troll with Forzen, and we'll be back.
talk about the spiders other than I got a pink toe and uh, put in my enclosure the seven So gallon. he's, he's... <laughs> yesterday we decided we were gonna this since it's been birthday week we decided we were gonna go check out I was gonna introduce Anubis to this little um, it's not even a restaurant it's like a um, it's a bar it's a little bar that's all it is, it's a bar. But it's, they have really good food, and they like to get creative with their sandwiches. So my mom and I had lunch there over the weekend, and, <clears throat> excuse me, they were talking about um, their sandwich of the week was a grilled cheese jalapeno popper. And that, like, I knew he would love it. So, we decided, I am like, you hear that? It's my nose. That's your nose? Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking it's a fucking cat. Meow. That's what it fucking sounds like. What the fuck? Oh my god. We're a mess today. So anyway. Not we, you. <laughs> I was getting ready to leave work and he's like, I have to talk to you about something at dinner. So I knew it was nothing because he they, they, he's never anything. Like there's nothing ever. So we we're going to dinner and he's like, well... I've decided that <laughs> since Patches won't be able to use the bio-enclosure for probably two years, I should probably get another spider. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> he goes there today, and I am um, at work, and I'm really, it's probably the camera. Uh. Oh. And I'm really excited because he's like looking at all these different spiders and sent me a couple of pictures. But what really excited me was that he got a pink toe because I love the pink toe spiders. What's wrong? Oh, okay. So he got a pink toe and she is beautiful and we've named her Freya. And we were actually watching somebody who owned a pink toe spider, remember, last night? Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're, they're like really, really into eating too. So, but earlier the crickets started cricketing and <laughs> they were driving me crazy. But See, that's the thing. Like a, a spider, like this spider is about the size of how big my pumpkin patch will get is about three to four inches. Now the pink toe can get closer to like maybe five or six inches. Yeah. Almost the size of your hand when you're, you know, you keep them long enough and but they can eat anything between crickets and, and Dubai roaches and stuff like that. But Neko didn't want any roaches. I said no in roaches the house. in the house. That was like her her one like cutoff was like no roaches. So, but the thing is, in the past when I had Igor, uh, another spider, uh, I had crickets and they were chirping all the time, and Neko hated it. Hated it. I do. I hate the noise, but the thought of a roach escaping and. Um you know infesting my house is worse than they of... probably wouldn't escape because i have a pretty big container yeah i <laughs> i just, <laughs> <laughs> I just... you should have seen the chill that just came through 
but they're not gross. Roaches reproduce at an astronomical rate. Like, and the type of roaches that you would feed the spider would totally be, it's the, it's the brown ones, the little bastards that infest, like. But these Dubai roaches are different. They're not the same type. They would reproduce, but they're just not the same type of roach. Nevertheless, it, it doesn't really matter because pink toes do like crickets a lot. So. And so they get like one a week minimum, so. Yeah, and, and the people at the store, they were like, look, if you wanted to come in and get one cricket per week, that's fine, but I'm not driving over there. For one cricket so everywhere. we've got like a little cricket colony and like i i feel kind of guilty because they have water and food and stuff and then you know in a couple of days dj anubis is gonna go in there with his tweezers and just pull them out and i'll go feed him right to freya and then she's gonna be like and that's when she knows when that but he was telling me when he placed her because they gave him like a little travel container when he placed her into the bio enclosure she was just so gentle and just like climbed out oh, yeah. no, I, no this is this is how day's little beasties teaches you how the kind of teach is like she can kick hairs and stuff like that or you know if you get them really aggravated and want to bite you but you know just gently pushed her out of her little container and she just oh i told her. you i was going to get you a, a makeup brush so that you could like if you needed to guide her because no, that's fine that's probably worked better uh but she was like just chilling, but she crawled because she's more of a. It's not arboreal and terrestrial or ground. Uh, I can't remember what they call the ones that like to be up high. But she's a, basically a tree spider almost. So she likes to spend time on the side of the enclosure and. Whereas Patches has been digging and hiding since we got her. Yeah, so the little one is clearly just. But you know that's also pretty normal for a spiraling to want to hide because they try to avoid predators and stuff so but uh i still have like a little piece of bark in there for uh freya in case she wants to go in and build her home or whatever so she's just getting... she hasn't even started webbing yet i think nope. she's trying to get her bearings like yeah she's just gonna chill and then as the hours go on she'll start becoming a little more active maybe a once we're done with the podcast, I'll shut the lights down a little low, and then she can go. And... Now, I'm wondering, um, with her, like, with Freya, excuse me, um, do you think you need to turn on the heater as much? Because you said she... Actually, the, the pad is on the back. Okay. And the little thing I bought gauges it, so we'll turn it on and off as it needs it. Uh... But the room temp right now, at least with even within the enclosure, it's still like 71 or 72, and that's more than enough what she needs. And I bought DJ Anubis. Um, we have this, like, little... We had an another one, but we had this little potbelly stove that's just, like, a little heater. But this one, I upgraded to a fancier one where you can set set the temperature. So he has it set at a specific... specific wow. Specific temperature that once it hits below in the in the air down here it will kick on not necessarily upstairs and in the rest of the house on the house's level but you know because we probably don't even need it the, we don't need the heat on today but we want to keep it at like a nice what 70 75 down here for the spiders, but I'm not turning the actual heat to the house on 
at all. So this thing will stay on possibly even in the summertime when we have the air conditioning running so that it keeps the ambient and it's a fancy um, little thing because it's that uh, infrared quartz so it's not just hot air blowing it like actually heats the air it's, it's really I get stupid when it comes to like thing, things like that <laughs> but it's it's very nice it's like a navy color it has like the little fake flames and all I was digging it but you see how like it you see how it glows down there that's where it like heats up, heats up. It's, it's pretty badass yeah, so if I want to sleep down here, I'll just chill in the futon and pass out. I mean, turn the lights off and the nice I, ambience. I already, I already offered it to my sister, but I was like, I could put it upstairs in the second bedroom. You could sleep in there, but there's no ambiance in there. There's no TV or anything. All and, right. and it's generally really warm upstairs. So you were talking about ranking. Yeah. So. Even though we're going to get to our tier list later, there was another article regarding uh, horror films that they on Ranker.com that said these are films that are sequels that are better than the originals. And now this is that was their list. But what I did was I took some of the movies off of that list, and for Neko and I, I put it in three categories. So I put it as uh, yes, this sequel is better than the original, or it's about the same in terms of entertainment value. It's just as good as the original, or it's worse than the original. Um, or I, I won't say really worse, but just isn't as good as the original. That's really what it comes down. Yeah, I don't. To. I hate using the word worse, right? Because it, it because you say worse, it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It means it's you, just not as good. As you original. enjoyed the first one more right. than the second, right? And, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a second movie. It could be anything within, like, a series of movies. So, uh, you know, some of them are, like, part of Nightmare on Elm Street and, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that. So, it, But I only selected some that Neck and I have seen for sure that I felt like deserved to be on this list to be talked about. So uh, let's start with... We'll go. We'll start from the bottom, basically. So, movies that you feel like aren't better than the original, still good, or maybe not as good, but just not as good. As oh, I didn't. I didn't sort it that way. How'd you sort? Oh my god! I just did it by your list, and then I put next to it what I thought. Okay. So. So movies that we think. Well, we'll just go down. No, your no, list no, no, and... no. This is you said, not as good as here. All right, I can do this. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Not movies that we think the original outweighs the. Well, let me first just break down the list of movies that we're we're using. So, okay. uh, we're using Aliens, Dawn of the Dead, nineteen seventy eight, Evil Dead two, Devil's Rejects, Freddy vs Jason, Ten Cloverfield Lane, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, Phantasm two. Hellbound Hellraiser 2, The Conjuring 2, Scream 2, 28 Weeks Later, Underworld Evolution, Dr. Sleep, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Halloween 2018, and Blade 2. Now, I didn't bother worrying about where Ranker put them because Ranker was basically saying that all these songs are better than the original, so <laughs> I clearly don't agree with that, a lot of that, so... Uh, 
it's not to say that I don't agree with some of it, but uh, we're going to get into it now. So in terms of, I'll give my first ones that don't, that there's only one in this list for not as good as the original that I feel like is just a bad movie, and that's Halloween 2018. And I, I put that the same thing. I, I said it's worse than the original. Yeah, uh, I know Carpenter wants to kind of redo his thing and didn't care for Zombies version. And it's not, for me, it's not even about Zombie. It's about whether or not I feel like this film, 2018, is better than the original Carpenter film. And it does not touch it, in my opinion, um, at all. Um, now, that was in terms of, like, just a bad movie. Like, I don't, it, it's trash to me, Halloween 2018. But two other films on this list are good. They're just not as good as the original. And the first one I have on my list with that is A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors is actually my second favorite Nightmare film. Uh, but I will not say it's better than the original Nightmare on Elm Street because I just that's just a classic piece of movie uh, cinema there. And then the other one was <clears throat> Blade 2. Again, I actually love the trilogy. Um, actually, Trinity more than Blade 2, but... The first Blade movie is just a lot of fun, start to finish, and it's just better overall. It was for me. when that came out, the original Blade. It was like, I don't, I, I was very groundbreaking, to me. I watched it over and over again. The music, in that mm -hmm. movie, I mean, it was like it was definitely a product of its time. You know, you've got the the rave and the bloodbath. Like, yeah, you, and it's funny because you hadn't gotten around to seeing uh, what we do in the shadows, the, the new, the series that's been going on because you've been kind of doing other things. But or because you start watching it without me, and uh, now I'm not watching it anymore under protest. Protest. <laughs> However, uh, Stephen Dorr's right hand man, the guy that gets his arm cut off by Blade, mm -hmm. is in that as the actor but he's like yeah but he became really a vampire so it's again they're calling back to those films which is a side note fun but you know and that goes protesting well that's because it's supposed to be one of the shows that you and i watch and then i caught you watching it without me <laughs> it's like i'm cheating <laughs> and i'm like me. oh no there's um well there's 500 million things to watch not for this guy because i watch everything there are so many things. You'll just put on some bland, stupid shark movie. and But no. The one thing that I want to watch with you... <sighs> and guess what? I'm never watching it ever again. She will. No, I won't. She will. What else did I stop watching? I don't know. What else did you stop watching? I forgot... I forgot what it's called, but the one where, like, I'm like, you, you've watched the entire series when I went out to see, and you couldn't, you're like, yeah, I got bored! And we started watching it together, and, um, it was the girl who's in the FBI, and then the serial killer is supposed to be her dad's friend, and it has what's-his-face in it, um... Are you talking about Blacklist? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't even really like that one anyway. I did like it. No, you and didn't. And then I leave for two months and I come back. And yeah, this bitch thinks that I gotta sit for two months on new material and not watch anything. No. Nine. Nine. 
This is why we don't watch things together. That's fine. You can watch your shitty-ass Gilmore Girls and all that other crap 3,000 times. I'm not watching Gilmore Girls right now. I'm, I'm re-watching Seinfeld. I haven't watched it in years. Good. Enjoy the shit out of it. I will. I'm not watching. You don't need I'm to protest. watch it. I don't want you to watch it. Nobody <laughs> wants you to watch Seinfeld. I don't think Jerry Seinfeld wants you to watch Seinfeld. Now, I will say, Dream Warriors and Nightmare on Street 3, I probably could move that to just as good because it is pretty good but it's a whole different feel for that one compared to the original so i still give the edge to the original on that one so for you the ones that are not as good as the original right well my list is longer um the devil's rejects mm -hmm. freddy versus jason mm -hmm. hellraiser 2 mm -hmm. scream 2 halloween 2018 and blade 2 okay Basically, I just think that the first one is better than this, the sequel. Like, um, I couldn't even remember The Devil's Rejects, and you had to show me, and I'm like, I don't even, I know I saw it, but I, like, I don't even remember it. What is it even the sequel to? Like, it was just... Yeah, I had to kind of explain it to Yeah, and I'm like... <sighs> but I have my own thoughts on why she doesn't like, because most people who are horror fans enjoy rejects more than house of corpses so uh, but i know why you like it so much i don't know because it has your boy from the office in it. oh yeah yeah but i i just really it has like that nice roadside attraction thing it has the you know they're going to get the what is it the fried chicken and uh I, what was it? It was real campy. Like yeah, but original. see, the Rejects was so cool because, like, one, you had both uh, Danny Trejo and Diamond Dallas Page playing, uh, like, assassins. And then, like, when Captain Spaulding is <laughs> going... I, I forget what he was getting the chicken for, but he's like, Nah, you ain't gonna fuck these chickens up. <laughs> see, that's why you like it, is the the fuck the chickens thing. The it, commentary is great. Like, it, 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 there is one. It's kind of like me. Why didn't you have Predator and Predator 2 on here? That's a good question. Because uh, we can add that. But I didn't. Even, but I didn't even see that on their list. Like they, like see, really, Predator and Predator 2 are kind of more like sci-fi action films rather than horror. But it is interesting because I saw someone today because there's a new. Either a new movie or a new series called Prey that's coming out. Yeah, but isn't Alien and Alien sci-fi action movies? Good point. <laughs> She's calling me out. So why isn't Predator <clears throat> and Predator 2 one here? Well, Predator wouldn't be because it's not a sequel. Predator 2 would be. Yeah, but... So where would you put Predator 2? It's really hard. Oh my god. So I, I definitely, it's it's this on the same for me. Okay, that's where I'd put it. Because one... It's very underrated, and I know that Samurai Guy is going to be talking with the guy about that movie. Cause Who? Who? When? Tonight. <gasps> is he, like, the director? No, no, no. He's, but he's, a, he's a guy he's had on the show before, but Rotten Tomatoes has that movie at 30%. Watson Candy? Yeah. <laughs> I love that fucking movie. Yeah, it's great. It's a good movie. I, it's very underrated. I don't know why. We just watched it that not that long ago. That was your pick. That's right. Not. That's right. Mm. All right. So, for you, are we gonna go 
better, or are we going to do the same next? Same. Okay, go ahead. You do your sames. All right, so the same for me, and I'll start with the last one on my list because, really, I was comparing it more with, not Nightmare on Elm Street, but more with Friday the 13th, but the movie is Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, I said that one. Right, but for me... I'm comparing it more to Friday the 13th because it's a little bit more about Jason than it is Freddy. Um, and, like, I wouldn't say it's better than or even same as Nightmare on Elm Street in terms of, like, good writing and all that, but it was same for me because I get as much enjoyment out of that as I do Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. Now, as far as the rest of... I'm not as much of a Friday the 13th person so i haven't like well i think it's i haven't logged as much time with the friday the 13th movies so when you're giving me a freddy versus jason and then i'm comparing it to my favorite series in the entire world i'm like "Mm, mm." but that was that was the movie that you and i went to see when we first started dating and they thought i was a minor (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they carded him even though he was 32 and and then he said hey why why aren't you gonna card her and they're like that's okay it's okay minors can go into a movie as long as there is a paying adult over 21 <laughs> and then and while i was on the beach she's like thanks dad <laughs> i'm like you bitch and he's like, stop! Stop touching me! They're thinking I'm a pedo. Meanwhile, I'm 21 years old. Right. I'm not a, I'm right. Not a child. But yeah, I was confused because like they're like, okay, can I see your ID? And I'm like, what? And then when I'm like, they don't ask hers, I'm like, well, what? why aren't you asking for hers? Well, she's accompanied by a dog. And she's like, thanks, Dad. I'm like, oh my God. So the other movies I feel are just as good as the originals is Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. I really like that movie a lot, just as much as the first one. Conjuring 2, same thing. Scream 2, same thing. Uh, 28 Weeks Later. Underworld Evolution. And Doctor Sleep, I felt, was just as good as The Shining. I did too. I actually consider them two separate movies. Especially since they're directed very differently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they're taking place in different, like, decades. Right. So, for me, my, my same-sames are Phantasm 2, mm-hmm. The Conjuring 2, Underworld Evolution, mm-hmm. Doctor Sleep, mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. Now with the sequels that we feel are better than the originals. Mm-hmm. This was a lot of fun because I feel passionately about the ones I chose. So, uh, the, the my list will consist of Aliens. Same. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like Alien, of course. Yeah, That's... but Aliens has Bill Paxton. <laughs> Game over, man! Game over! God, he is such a fun... The, the death of him, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast like it would they do they just the family feels like he was not 100 percent handled properly after the surgery right. and anyway go good ahead. actor though Loved um him. 
Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Yep. Uh, Evil Dead 2. Yep. The Devil's Rejects. Nope. <laughs> 10 Cloverfield Lane. Now, people will say, really? Yes, me too. Now, here's the thing about 10 Cloverfield Lane is one is the ending sucked. Like, I didn't really like the ending. I understand why it's there. Uh, but for most of that movie, it's far more entertaining, far more interesting than the original Cloverfield movie altogether. It was very, um, again, these are two very different movies, and I'm, I feel it's also better than the original. Um, I, um, I find it more of like a psychological It is, yeah. fuck with you type movie, and the first one is like a shaky cam monster horror movie. Mm-hmm. And this one is more like they're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and he's just living in his own little god syndrome in, in his bunker. Yep, yep. And that, and John Goodman's excellent in that. He was? Uh, Elizabeth Winstead's all that. She does a lot of horror films mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Mm-hmm. Dennis Hopper, Chainsaw Fighting. Gotta love it. And Phantasm, too. I really enjoyed that more than the Oh, see, one. I just kind of put them at the same... That's Isn't that the one that we just watched? Both of them. Phantasm 2 and Phantasm. I don't think you've seen Phantasm. See, I was asking Aaron Penn about that the other day. Um, there's a different distributor for Phantasm 2 because that was like one that they really pushed when it came out in theaters. So when we go into our, our apps on Roku, they'll have like one three four five and six phantasm but they won't have two for whatever fucking reason uh I, it's one i need to own because it's really it's really the best one of the series how but... aaron knows all this stuff like <laughs> he's like the distributors are different yeah he... yeah he's uh you know he's got his shit he knows his shit and him and he and joel like when they and and tony they're like yeah i have like all four copies of the <laughs> yeah. different. and i'm like i i yeah uh-huh. Like, they will buy a different release yep. of a DVD or Blu-ray just because it has something different. There are certain people that do that, even in, in our music, you know, when it comes to, like, albums. Like, I know as people who buy cassettes, like, they will have, like, four or five different versions of the same album. Like, if it's, if I have, like, say, Sepultura arise in it from roadrunner records well there might be a, a european release that's a little bit different of the same album that got released in say north korea or you know oh that's yeah and that's true because some of these are, are released at different times and they have different things they all have different covers it's it's just interesting to see like i'm like i'm lucky if i buy one dvd of the one movie that i want yeah i mean right now just in recent weeks i've got two of the same dvds but we talked about like leon the professional there's we have our original copy which is different than the international one that had added scenes which we did see when we were watching some reaction videos too. so we're gonna have to rewatch it like because i think they they edited it more to cater to american audiences right because there was complaints about it that people thought that was people have not ever seen it there's implications it's not really implications because leon isn't trying to get in bed with Natalie portman's character it's but she's so infatuated with him that she starts 
pretending she's older than she is. And so that's sort of like this thing that goes on in terms of how she acts like she feels for him when it's really just kind of more like a father figure and that's mm-hmm. how Leon looks at it. Uh, but I also got another copy of Suspiria, which is a Blu-ray. Uh, I would never give up the other one that Neko got me because that's a limited edition and it show, I showed you all when I posted the podcast and all the little stills, cards, and whatnot that it came with is really nice. But the Blu-ray does have some things that we'll probably have to get sift through and go look and see what they've added with that because it's been a few years. Well, but. just like the pick of the week that we're going to talk about in a little while, it had some interviews mm-hmm. and stuff in there that sometimes we just... you. I feel like sometimes that's just what's worth it for the um, the DVD or whatever. I know stuff streams all the time. So back to my Gilmore Girls. I have all all seven seasons but they have on each DVD and I've, I've yet to do this and I need to do it. I've watched it them all so many times and they have all these like references like pop culture references or book references and there is a um, kind of like a pop up video where you watch it and then they'll say something, and it'll be like, this is from uh, so-and-so's book, or this is from the, the movie such-and-such, because such, that was one thing that the Gilmore Girls, their favorite thing in the world to do, was sit and eat junk food and watch movies. Like, maybe I just, I just identify so much with these women, I just want to eat junk food and watch movies. Like, <laughs> right. that, it, But the, that was something that is only on the DVD. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, though, the Netflix series that came out that was, like, the special, um, like, mini-series, kind of, like, what when did it come out? 2016, maybe? Yeah. Um, it's a Netflix special. However, I found it on Amazon, and we're guessing somebody probably just put it up there, because <laughs> we couldn't make a digital copy of it, because the Gilmore Girls, like actual season same thing with my sidekick dvd i don't even think it was ever released no, on dvd and a lot of people want it but yeah that was something that someone just kind of put out and uh they I'm probably sure it, copied it did from their vhs to dvd right i mean apparently it's legit enough that's like the only copy that people can get so they allow it to go through but uh it's one of those films that needs to have like an actual blu-ray yeah, something that, because we were watching it, and I'm like, this literally looks like I'm watching a VHS. Mm-hmm. It was it was so funny. Um, God, that was a good fucking movie. <laughs> um, I just, I find all these little, the bonus features are sometimes overlooked because you just pop in the DVD or, or Blu-ray and you want to watch the movie. But we are together like when we were watching Suspiria there was like a documentary mm-hmm. as part of it and interviews and stuff same thing like with my Sex in the City like there's actual interviews and stuff and then they have like director's commentary where they'll like split the they'll split the scene and it'll be like commentary while the scene is going on now I know that's really annoying if you're just trying to sit and enjoy the movie or the the TV show but when it's something that you have watched a bunch of times, sometimes that's 
actually more interesting than watching something that you've seen over and over again. You get to hear, like, the take on, on these things. Right. All right, so for me, I'm pretty much, like, on the better. I had Aliens, same. Dawn of the Dead, same. Evil Dead 2, same. Ten Clover, or better, excuse me. I'm sa- I'm saying same, right. meaning I agree same with you. Me, right. Ten Clover Field Lane, I agree with you as well. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, I also agree. It's a better movie. Um, 28 Weeks Later, I also agree, is a better movie. Um, I think I actually put a lot more worse than you did. And maybe maybe I just, like... Well, again, it's not so much worse. Not, not a bad movie, but right. I don't think that it it's... tops the original. Yeah, it won't top the original. But I do enjoy, um, like, when you have a movie, like... Dawn of the Dead or Aliens already have classic, you know, first iterations and then you can take it and it, it just turns into like a whole new world and you bring in these amazing actors and, and an amazing story and everything just comes together just so perfect. Yeah. That's what really kind of... And that's the thing, like, you know, we think of it also in terms of music and albums like can a band top its debut or whatever and you know when people saw alien thought oh my god that was so mind-blowingly good and then aliens comes out and they're like holy shit it actually outdid it (laughs) yeah so i mean not everybody will agree with that some people still agree with the originals will always top the sequels but uh i really kind of felt that in this case the ones that we chose and the better i do too i i think sometimes and sometimes what I'm seeing and what we're seeing with, with movies, they're so big on making a trilogy, right? So purposefully, almost, the first movie is not as good. Like, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight Rises, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. I love all of them for all different reasons, but which one got the most hype? Well, I, it's Dark Knight, but also that actually is the best one of the trilogy for mm-hmm. me. Uh, I Like you, I like all three. Um, but that one would be my favorite. And, I, you know, again, it really comes more down, like, even though there's great performances throughout all of them, and, you know, it's, it's always, people always say, well, it's because Ledger died that it stands out. But I'm like, that's not really true. He just did a really good job. Same thing with uh, Brandon Lee and The Crow. Like, even if both those guys had survived, the movies, the acting that they did in those films are phenomenal. Like, they're just, they would stand out for that reason. Uh, it's unfortunate both had passed away, mm-hmm. but uh, the way that, like, going into that movie when they said Ledger was going to be Joker, I'm like, what? Because <laughs> like, I don't. Dreamboat? I don't even know yeah. him from, like, other stuff. And I'm like, not even close to that. And then. You see what he did. And that's why I kind of like now, when it comes to uh, the new Batman movie coming, I'm a little more open to Pattinson doing the character because I'm like, you know, I, I, I envision him just as the vampire. Yeah, but we saw him in the lighthouse. Right. He's pretty fucking and he, crazy. Him and Defoe were awesome in that. Like, it's a crazy, stupid movie, but their acting was phenomenal in that. And, and people have always said that Pattinson's a really good actor in other films. So, like, I enjoyed the fact, 
you know, and everybody, he stuck it out. He, he, he is all, he's, yes, I am Edward, I'm the Twilight guy. <laughs> it's what kind of made him, I mean, it put him on the map, really. He's been acting for a while, but it's like... He, yeah, people forget he was in a role in Goblet of Fire with Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until Twilight that he actually became this thing. Same with Stewart, you know? And that's why I... And, like, we've seen Kristen Stewart in some other really, like... She's not just Bella Swan. She's, you know, uh... Oh, God, I hate when I do this and I blank out on the movie. Okay, Deb. I know, I am so my mother. Um, <laughs> but we've watched her in other roles and we're like, she's not just this sullen teenager. She is able to have a, um... Have a voice. And she's able to really, like change you know she she did that like uh, 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 thing in twilight but then she totally changed it changed it for joan jett remember when they did oh, the yeah, runaways she, she looked just like joan jett they had her hair and everything on point um yeah i mean that's what acting is and to be able to stretch your acting chops the one complaint that i've heard about the new batman is the writers and the direct not this is not aimed at Pattinson, but it seems like the writers and directors are trying really hard to get Pattinson to kind of like emulate Christian Bale. Oh really? <laughs> so some of the scenes you'll see him like kind of doing like Christian Bale type things or voice, and I don't think it's really Robert Pattinson I think it's the writing I I, because well and I believe that because you know I've talked at length about this over the years that DC is constantly chasing Marvel they're constantly trying to keep up with what Marvel's doing but the problem is is that DC is keeps shooting themselves in the foot we we go from a decent film like Wonder Woman to Wonder Woman 84 and it's just a, a, a train wreck like they can't sustain what they're doing. The only time it worked is when you had Christopher Nolan on all three movies. And I think that did make a big difference because he. And had some a people, yeah, and some people are angry because okay, you're rebooting Batman again when you don't need to. You're rebooting yeah, Spider Man again. Those have been, like, Batman for DC has been the most successful franchise. Right, but it's like, you know, it's some, but. That's the thing with DC fans. They're like, you know, we want to see another character uh, created or used or whatever. But Marvel, you know, they just... They might be getting a little bit tiring at this point because of the Eternals and everything else. But they're at least sticking with their guns with their their whole, like, massive plan. Like, they have a long-term goal with this. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Um, I'm not as excited about Eternals as I am because I've heard bad things about it but i'm not i don't know much about the characters either but yeah but we're not gonna be like but for dr strange too we know there's a tie-in with uh scarlet witch so we know she's gonna be in it and that looks you know because that's gonna be more continuous with the characters we're familiar with and uh i'm looking forward to that you know just because i am too i'm excited i feel like and this is just me I feel like DC, because 
everything with DC feels almost like uh, disjointed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I feel like with Marvel, maybe not every single movie is great, but they have a layout and a plan for these movies. Yeah, if anything, there's always going to be a tie-in. So, even though I saw Black Widow, you know, it was like a, it was like a middle story to things that were going on. But like at the end, we have something that's connected to Infinity War and all that stuff. So I'm like, it. So even if someone asks me, do I need to watch this one? I said, yeah, you kind of do because. The majority of the story has nothing to do with what the rest is going on in Marvel. However, the ending does tie into what you would be part of with Infinity War and all that stuff. So, so it's kind of like I, I have. Did you you watch Black Widow already? Yeah, it was on Disney Plus, and I just took a shot. I, I won't say it, it's like you said. Some are better than others. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't as great as I thought it'd be. And I think part of that is because. You go into that movie with knowledge that Natasha's dead. So, this obviously happens before that happens. Um, supposedly, this supposedly Black Will takes place like between Winter Soldier and Civil War and some of this stuff. So, I, I don't know. I forget the exact timeline because that's always confusing for me. But nothing really connects to the rest of the Marvel Universe until you get to the very end with the Easter egg. That's really the only thing that really connects it. And then, of course, that part of it also connects you to uh, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's why when people would be like, well, do I really need to see off? And i say, yeah, you kind of do because there are certain things that tie in together that you have to see to, to understand. And if you if you miss something, it might, like, take away a small detail that kind of, like... Right. Yeah. Because if they go into another one and they say, well, how do they meet or why are they talking? It's like, well, if you'd watch this film, you'd know why. Kind of like when we saw... Um, was it the first... I think it was the very first Hulk with Edward Norton at the very end. That's when they first brought in Robert Downey as Stark. And mm-hmm. he was talking with... Uh, Jackson's character, Fury. And that's when you kind of knew right from then that that was going to be, oh, we're going to see something going forward with both of these guys. Uh, of course, they changed Hulk to uh, Mark Ruffalo after that, but you know, the point is is that they start right away with the Easter eggs, like this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you and I, during this whole period of time, we're like, we gotta wait, gotta wait, because there's going to be something. We gotta see the end! Alright, let's get back into some music. Uh, this block we got some Hellsick from Vlad Nick's Born from Angel PR but we're going to cover brand new stuff from Monolord Your Time to Shine
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Kick it off with some brand new biscuits. Yeah. It's called Dirty Rut Biscuit. From their Still Sucks LP. Here we go. We'll be back.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you would find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent ya. was a freshman. I went and took an internship at Disneyland. The happiest place on earth was more than I could dream. Nothing could be more perfect it seemed. Then I saw him staring back at me with both of his arms open wide. And I lost it inside my pre-tween mind. Feeling I've never felt before It was love Walking hand in hand Skipping merrily He took me to a secret place Where no one else could see He swore we'd be together Forever happily Him and I ruled then I saw him staring back at me With both of my legs open wide And I lost it as he entered me A feeling I've only felt twice before Yeah. <laughs> 
love that is buried deep inside Like a carrot that only bugs can find They'll untie your knots Berry Farm And there you have it Ah, fuck, Mickey Mouse. Oh my god. Good friend of ours, Jason Stephan. New song from his band, Vasectomy. A little bit different than what we're used Piss to. Pissectomy. Pissectomy. So, they're more of a grindcore style band, and now this seems like totally... I don't I don't want to call it like well he's had so stuff before like it's kind of like a weird yeah I don't think this is gonna like be the the total sound that he's gonna do in the future but he was throwing us a curveball with this and uh you know he, he dances around grindcore and porno grind and stuff like that so uh pisectomy is definitely uh one of those more extreme projects but this song caught me out of guard because it was a little more rock oriented and stuff that i've heard him do on his you know more solo type stuff see for me i'm like listen like the stuff that he uh urethra franklin like come on right right so yeah (laughs) but i dig it i'm really proud of him Mm -hmm. i mean Every every time I talk to him, he's he's just he's the type of person who will reinvent himself. He I know what's in his heart. I know what he like wants to do and it's just not always like he went to college and got a master's degree and then COVID hit and his I like what he was doing was significantly significantly impacted because it was theater and you know college he wanted to get into like college theatrics teaching working in a Shakespearean theater and like he was already going back to school after being out of school and then it just like set him back and now he is doing something else which I'm not going to say on the air um you know because it's his private job but right. it's something completely 180, but he still likes to get his, you know, creative release through writing um, music. And that was, I think, what he was kind of bummed with. Like, he and I were chatting when COVID was really shutting everything down. And he's like, you know, I'm finishing my master's degree. And I thought I had a different plan because I was going to work and do theater and possibly teach. And it's just kind of like up in the air of how these things are going to go on going forward so he really wanted to try to like secure himself in in a good career and he's 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 done it and he's been doing a lot of training um you know completely different than what he was doing though but i he's just very talented so he still needs to have that creative outlet yeah so this week uh this is something I've been, I, I kind of gave you a little lowdown on it last week. And um, I personally don't know if a lot of you know 
about Tommy Jones and the Shondells. So they're pretty influential. And when you hear some of these songs, you're gonna be like, oh my God, they're the ones who wrote these songs. Like they did these songs. They had a song called Hanky Panky. And the best way that you're gonna remember it is in Forrest Gump. And it was right before Jenny was supposed to be the stripper, but she's naked playing the guitar. But the person who was um, on there before her was doing that, doing the striptease to that song. And they kind of recorded that themselves. And then it was picked up by a larger label and it blew up. And basically what happened was Roulette Records, who is kind of like the mafia of the record industry, they, after Hanky Panky blew up, um, Tommy Shondell, he was getting all these offers from different record labels. And then he shows up in New York, like, on the required date, and everybody had rescinded their um, offer, except for Roulette Records, because of Morris Levy. He was the co-founder and owner of Roulette Records, kind of known as a gangster. People, um, people wouldn't cross him. So when he said, these guys are my guys, they're like, they, listen. they just listened. They didn't want to get involved. Apparently, they were funding for years organized crime. It was kind of like a front. And um, Tommy James, he's thinking like the the royalties that he is due are like $30 million. It's really hard to sue people who have no money though because eventually Morris Levy ended up going to jail because the FBI got got wind of what was going on. There was a three and a half year investigation and um, it wasn't just Morris Levy, but it was several people who were tied to the Genovese crime family, one being Dominic Cantorino, who was his controller, AKA the money man. And um, it was really interesting to see like how they could take and this is I mean come on now I was astonished I watched a stupid documentary on extra virgin olive oil and how it turned into a front for the mafia so a, a record label is a perfect way because money is flowing in and out non-stop and there's ways to mask it but who really gets hurt are these young artists Tommy James was only 19 and he was going around to, to clubs with his band trying to provide for he had a kid and a wife so he was just doing his thing and when his hanky-panky blew up and he he actually said one time he's he act he felt a little bit even though he was screwed out of a lot of money he felt like almost like it was it was a privilege or better off that he worked with roulette because they were roulette's biggest group 
Like, that was the Roulette's Beatles, basically. And they had access to as much studio time as they want. As anything they wanted, all they had to do was ask. It's just, whatever contract they signed, it just wasn't fair. Right. Now, is, an, is a contract that is signed with illegal intentions fair anyway? You can argue either side. But, because they were their biggest you know, name on the label, you know how it is when you're the rock star, you can go every single day and record. So he felt like it was a really good experience for him as a, as an artist, because he, it was like he had no tether. He could do whatever he wanted. If he wanted to record or practice or tour or needed, needed equipment, it was always provided. But as soon as his manager went to Levy about royalties and stuff, he got the shakedown. And then his manager, they just say he left. I don't know if he left or if he left, quote unquote. Right. So the interesting thing is, you think of Tommy and the Shondells, Tommy James and the Shondells. You know that song, Moni Moni, mm -hmm. that everybody sings? That's their song. They wrote that song. They wrote uh, uh, Hanky Panky. They, let me, they wrote, uh, I think we're alone now. Yeah, the yeah. one that Tiffany did. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't have like a ton of albums, but they, everything that they did charted really well. And everything they did was something that was impactful enough that it's been either redone or in movies. I think their biggest hit is what we're going to listen to next. And that song is Crimson and Clover. And Joan Jett did a great version of that. Joe, how many times has this song been re remastered, redone, etc.? And something that I found super interesting is again this how many times has this happened that we hear this it was recorded in about five hours you know done it was one of the earliest songs recorded on 16 track equipment now this is back in 68 so when we're thinking 16 tracks these are literal tracks these are separate reel-to-reel -reel equipment when we're recording now and it's digital, you can pull all 16 tracks onto your recording studio and it's, it's done a little bit differently. Tommy James played most of the instruments and um, there was this effect on the guitar that the, you know, that, that like it sounded almost hazy and, you know, it's 1968. So it was very like, you know, summer love and all like the whole, what do they call it? like the hate ashbury so they're really playing to that side too but he really wanted to kind of like create that song that sound with his voice which they do at the end of the song and what i found super creative was in order to do that he plugged his microphone into the guitar amp with the effect turned on to the uh, guitar amp and he sang through the guitar amp and then they recorded while he was singing Crimson and Clover over and over onto one of the tracks. 
So, it was a huge success, like, immediately, so much that there was a rough mix that they they sent to Morris Levy just to say, hey, this is what we've been working on, but the producer's not done with it. And Levy released it to a radio station, and then it turned into, like, a big world exclusive. And But he said, Levy claims he had initially pleaded with the radio station not to play the record prematurely, but all he was seeing, like, especially after Hanky Panky and Moni Moni, he's like this, and hearing this going, like, up the next level, he really was like, this is going to be big. But for me, the, the saddest thing, again, about Tommy James and the Shondells is how bad, like, it, it was just, like, you've, we've heard it happen, too, with a lot of other younger people, but we, we literally know that Roulette Records was part of organized crime, so, you know, sometimes you just say that the record labels are greedy, but they're part of, the money was never going to go to Tommy James, ever, and when they have these royalties, especially when we hear these songs being used over and over again, or being borrowed, so that's kind of like what I found super interesting about this song and this band overall, and you know, Tommy Shondell, he's in his 70s now, and he's really, you know, he's kind of come to terms with it. He did uh, file a lawsuit in order to try to collect some of the damages. You never know what's going to happen. But Levy actually also founded Sugar Hill Records, and that's where the Sugar Hill Gang came from, and same kind of thing happened to them. Like totally just like fronts for money. Anyway, I, what I find really interesting is, um, where are we? Oh, sorry. Lost my train of thought. So, Billy Idol, R.E.M., Joan Jett, Dolly Parton, Bruce Springsteen, Prince, The Cramps, Culture Club, Cher, Tom Jones, Weezer, the Heptones um, and Joe Baton have all sung Tommy James tunes. Like, he is the most... Like, he's kind of like Bob Seger, where the people who, who remake his songs are almost more popular than him. And that's what I feel like Tommy James is in that Bob Seger category, where... Like, I love Bob Seger so much. Right. Like, and I love Tom, Tommy James, too. And it's like, but you, when you hear like these giant people like Dolly Barton, Bruce Springsteen, Prince making a remake of your song, of course, Prince and his world and, and Dolly Parton and their world are going to be able to distribute and make more money off of your song than you ever will. Right. And that's why he's like frustrated with the royalties thing, because as an artist, he was never given these royalties from the use of his songs that he wrote and, and, you know, produced and everything himself. So, without further ado, 
I hate to taint the song with all these, like, you know, controversies, but this is a really great, you know, psychedelic song. Really captures, like, the time. And it's a song, I'm sure I've heard it a thousand times, and, you know, my mom loves it, I love it. I don't know if you have, I mean, you like it, but I don't know, I don't think you knew quite, like, the depth of what had happened to this No, like, I knew that when Joe and Jed did it, it was a cover, but, uh... But not just her, like, everybody was covering their shit, and they just never were getting royalties for it. It's unfortunate. Alright, well, here Here we we go. Here we go! Neko's pick of the week. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. DJ Neko's pick of the week.
Everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Give us a minute here so I can send oh her Oh my god, I'm her. such an ass. Yeah, she doesn't have a plan for anything. I do, but I thought it. I thought I had it open, and then I, I had the other thing open. I thought, I thought. I had the other say. thing open. So, yeah, I have to send her her own goddamn mm-hmm. Alright, so we're going to be hitting our horror tier rankings from movies from 2010 to 2020. Okay. And, uh... You know, you're gonna have to help me with this anyway, because I can't fucking read! It's, it's too tiny! So the movies that we included in this were... Mayhem, The Crazies Remake, Dream Home, mm-hmm. Let Me In Remake, The Reef, a Serbian film, Stakeland, Troll Hunter, Apollo 18, The Thing, Prequel... Mm-hmm. The Woman, The Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Shadows, Excision. We also have Lords of Salem, No One Lives, Sinister, The Woman in Black remake, The Conjuring, Evil Dead remake, Annabelle, The Babadook, Baba, Creep, Baba Duke. Deathgasm, The Final Girls, Krampus, Poltergeist Remake, The Witch, Train to Busan, The Void, The Babysitter, Annihilation, Halloween 2018. We are really picking on this game. (laughs) Hereditary, Mandy, Suspiria Remake, Color Out of Space, Crawl, Midsommar, and Ready or Not. So, as we do always, we're going to start with our bottom list. We broke it up to five different tiers for those that haven't listened to our other shows. We have best, great, good, average, and poor. And again, for my particular uh, section of poor, it could be a variant between just not something I watch very often to really bad. For Neko, it generally means pretty fucking bad. Yeah, for me, for bad, I 100% remember the movie, and I hated it. Like, hate it. Average kind of teeters on two ends. Either I know I've seen the movie and it was so average I don't remember it, or it's not good enough to be in the good category. Yeah, so I'll start with my my poor list. Okay. 
There is one, two, two basically out of my group here that are watchable but not great. So, okay. Actually, I'll take that back. One. <laughs> so the one that I can watch with okay, but it's not still not the great is the remake of The Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe. Um, it's a Hammer film that they remade, which is cool, but it didn't really resonate with me, even though they tried to do the same set pieces and, you know... The and old... see, like, because I put that in... I... Well, I'll get... We'll get to where I put it, but... You... Like, when I... You... You consider something poor, you're like, eh, it's, it's a good... Me, even if something is a bad movie, but it gives me entertainment, it's definitely going to be in the good or higher category because, like, Sharknado. Y you know what I mean? Like, something yeah. like that. It's a terrible, terrible movie, but I have a lot of entertainment value from it. When I say poor, it means it's poor. like, I'm never going to watch that monstrosity ever again. Yeah, so, here's... What I uh, the other films that I have in this that I thought were just not very good and I can care less. Now I'll, I'll explain more about one particular film when I get to it. But the first one on the list obviously was The Woman in Black. Second was Halloween 2018. Yep. I don't get the hype about it. Don't like it. Uh, I have no desire to watch Halloween Kills which is a sequel to that. I know Neko had kind of talking about how people were talking about the kills are really good but the script sucks but I mean why bother if the film's just not very well written? Like I don't need it to be Casablanca or anything but I just need it to be Have somewhere. you ever seen Casablanca? I have actually. You don't watch black and white movies. I do not and I don't <laughs> like them. <laughs> uh, third on my list The Babadook. Very overrated. Annihilation, again oh. overrated. Which one was not Annihilation again? That was an Natalie Portman film, kind of spacey, sci-fi stuff, just overrated. I think I put that there too, didn't I? Crawl with the alligator, I've seen it before. Blah. The Poltergeist remake was just embarrassing, please stop. The Thing prequel, story-wise, had possibilities, to, but the CGI just ruined the entire fucking movie. Just, if you're going to do it, do it right. And the final film uh, that's in my poor list is a Serbian film. And I'm only going to add to it that, like, for those that are really into shock value or movies that push the boundaries, I would recommend watching or, it. Or German snuff films. Definitely watch that. Uh, but it has no redeeming value as far as, like, entertainment. It really is a very disgusting, trashy-type movie that... The, the premise is fine, but, like, there's just a lot of shit that goes on in this movie that's very dark, and it's just not very entertaining in that aspect. However, if you're a fan of cinematography and super gross stuff and, like, very extreme... See, movie. for me, I like super gross stuff, but, like, the incest thing just took it, like, way too far for me. Right. Um... I also have it in my poor category because, like, I watched it once and I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? This is the worst thing. Funny story about a Serbian film. You know, when we're out on the ship, we all have hard drives and we trade movies because you can, like, watch them on your laptop in your room or 
some of the ships actually have TVs and you can, you know, plug it into the USB and watch. Anyway, my first first job ever, one of the guys is like, can I look at your lap? Can I look at your hard drive? And I'm like, sure. I said, I have a horror section, but there's two movies in there, um, a Serbian film and Salo. And, and I said, they're not really horror movies. They're just awful. And I don't know why my husband put them on the hard drive. Maybe just because he was fucking with me, but I... No, I wasn't fucking with you. I just, you know... Yeah. I'm never going to watch them, so... Well, but that that was the thing. Like, despite whoever you showed it to, I think they said they didn't like it either. They but... said, what the fuck? And I said, yeah, I know. But that wasn't a horror movie, Melissa. But that's what I was getting at. Like, people who haven't seen it, like, they may not like it, but, like, that's the fact. You get that reaction out of people, that's what that movie drives for. Same with Salo. Um... So for Someday me, I may just sit down with it again, but, you know, again, there's no really redeeming value out of it. It's just very fucking dark. Same with Salo. Uh, Salo is a little bit different in terms of how it's shot. It's very cool in the 70s how that movie was shot. It's very clean. It doesn't have the grindhouse look about it. Uh, it has a grindhouse feel about it a little bit, but uh, it's very, again, very dark, very nasty. and uh, really gross. There's lots of bodily fluids. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So what else is in your list for a poor? The Witch. Shame. Shame. The Color of Space. Okay. Crawl. And I can't tell what these last two are. Because I can't... You have The Reef and Mandy. And Mandy, yeah. Yeah. The Reef and Mandy. Hated them all. And again, <laughs> my poor is a little different than Anubis's poor. These are movies... That she just didn't like. I just didn't. Like, and I remember them enough to know I hated them and I'll never spend time with them ever again. Right. Sometimes, like, with you, you'll put something, like, in the poorer category and you're like, it just, it was just, you know, on the level, like you're saying, with the Poltergeist movie. Well, for me, I didn't even have enough reaction to the new poltergeist to put it in the poor it was just bland so that's why i kind of didn't put it in poor i fucking hated the witch the only thing good in the witch is fucking black philip and this motherfucker won trivial pursuit the horror edition because his winning question was what was the name of the goat in the movie the witch and he won. And I said, I'm not, I, I quit. I like flipped over the board. I said, this bullshit. <laughs> so for me, The Witch, I will never watch it again. And it's probably ingrained in my mind because I hated it so much. But that's another thing that like directors probably take into consideration. Yeah, I'm talking about The Witch and how much I hate it. Probably more than I would ever talk about the remake of Poltergeist because I'm I have such visceral reaction to it and I think that is a very polarizing because there are so many people that you and I both know who were like wow the witch <laughs> superb I have not seen something so creative and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about it's a bunch of like Puritans out in the middle of nowhere with a fucking black goat running around and then some naked chicks out in the middle of there's nothing groundbreaking about it at all sorry that's my rant no uh, 
there were people that I felt blew it out of proportion in terms of how good it actually was. Um, plus, The Witch to me isn't really necessarily true horror. It's, it's a lot of atmosphere. I really like the way it's shot. But see, uh, everybody is putting atmosphere into true horror. And what are we going to start doing? It's like atmosphere, true horror, slasher, um, supernatural. But that's the thing. It's like music. It crosses over so much now that like you don't have to. Like we just talked but about. But the uh, lead actress didn't know much about it until later on when she's doing these other films. She just did Last Night in Soho, which I haven't seen yet. But uh, is it Erin Taylor-Joy? I think that's her name or something like that. But... She's actually a very good actress. Um, I didn't like her in The New Mutants. I thought that would kind of sucked as a movie, but she's she was probably the, the highlight of that film. Um, but yeah, you know that movie has a few redeeming qualities for me. Not you, but for me, uh, I can get it along with. All right, so in my average category, I didn't have very many in this one this time around. Uh, I have Annabelle, mm -hmm. Apollo 18, mm -hmm. Lords of Salem, mm -hmm. and Midsummer. Okay, so I had the first three, but then, is this Halloween? Probably, is it mm -hmm. Myers' face? I had Halloween, yeah, yeah. Dream Home, mm -hmm. Lords of Salem, The Women in Black, again, it's just bland, like a piece of toast. Now, she's just, a couple in here, like, the last few episodes that we've done with her were... She hasn't really seen something, so she'll just kind of throw it in there, not without even really seeing it yet, but she'll get to it eventually. No one lives. Don't even remember it. You haven't seen it. Uh, Annihilation. Again. The Babadook. Again, I probably, if it was on in the background, I would watch it, but... I don't need to, like, think extra hard about a movie. And it's like, is it really a Babadook or is it in her mind? And she's the... Fucker. Right, right. Apollo 18. 18. Stakeland, which you hadn't seen. Troll Hunter. Hunter. I don't even remember it. And, he, and he's showing me the... He's Dude. Like, he's like, I, you've seen it. And I'm like, he's like, it's so funny. And I, I'm like... It is. And trust me, when she watched it with me, she enjoyed it. But again, she doesn't always remember a lot of these films because it kind of just if it's not something that she's really interested in she'll forget totally about it but uh, the thing remake again yeah like i don't remember watching it it had a good premise and then we rewatched the trailer and i'm like the trailer looks like it has some promise and it felt like it fell flat like if i can't remember the thing prequel right uh, is this Annabelle? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Annabelle was not scary. And I'm scared of dolls. So, no. <laughs> and what's this one with all the blue? That's The Void. The Void. I get these. It's This is not the splunking one. No. Which one is this one? This is this is different. This is uh, when a guy is running away from somebody trying to kill him. He gets to this hospital. Oh, yeah. yeah. Already, <laughs> already bored. So... <laughs> I'm sure I watched it with you. Yep, mm -hmm. probably. All right, what is in your good category? Because this one for me is... is uh, I actually had a lot in this one. See, I, I had a lot in average, and I had a few in good. So, in the good, uh, I've come uh, around a little bit 
Um, I can't. I was about about saying because I consider like good like a C a seven out of ten type movie. Something that you would revisit when the mood was right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the remake of Suspiria is in here. Oh, me too. Uh, the Reef. The Dark Shadows. Uh, the Conjuring. Dream Home. Mandy. Creep. The Babysitter. The Cabin in the Woods. The Void. Ready or Not. Color Out of Space. The Remake of the Crazies and the Witch. Alright. I need help because... So your good is... Oh, look, you got it up. Okay, so I have Suspiria. What's the one with the house? That is Krampus. Krampus It's good. Creep is good. I feel like what what, what really uh, took Creep, it could have been great, but it was totally low budget. It could have been great if it was just a little bit more refined, but the end just real got, really got me. The babysitter? Good. Mm-hmm. What's the, the face? Hereditary. Oh, that's the... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ready or not, I don't even... What What was that one again? She got married and her husband's family was trying to kill yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That one's, that one's pretty good. Let me in. That's, that's the, the vampire, the vampire one. one. Yeah, that was pretty... That, that's what I mean. It's like pretty good. Like, if you put it on and it's something like... I'll watch it again. But it's not, like, in my heart. Like, these next two are in my heart, but great and best. Like, it's hard to... There's a fine line between them, because these are things that I'm, like, so gonna watch them again, because I... And some of them I forget about. Like, the final girls, you're like, I I don't remember if you saw it. And I'm like, I don't either. And then I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, I love this part. I love that girl. Yeah. That's kind of how my best and great go. They're they're the top tier of of me. And it's understandable because we watch so many movies that sometimes, like I, you know, when it comes to Neko's always telling me like I always retain this information about stuff that I really like, and so movies have to be one of them. So that's why a lot of times when it comes to stuff like this, I'll remember more of the stuff through watch than she will. She'll remember certain ones, but. But that's that's and that is a good point because that is how it gets into my great and my best because if it's something that really like stands or out. into my poor, the I feel bad for the good and average ones because there's only one in my good which is creep. I'm sorry, Suspiria the remake is also there. Um, those two films are just a hair below the great. Because I remember them very well. Mm-hmm. However, they're just tiny, tiny pieces. They're, I can't put them up there with these other movies because these other movies and my great and my best are ones that I'm like... Pfft. And that's the thing. like The great and the best are films that we would watch on a whim with no problem. But the other ones, we'd watch them, but it'd probably be like, let's say... If we just turned it on and it was on for whatever reason. Right, or, you know... Two years down the road, oh, let's watch the remake of Suspiria. It's on TV. We'll just check it out again, you know. But, you know, other ones we really, really like, so we will watch them without any problems. The one thing I have to say about Creep, which is absolutely fucking phenomenal, 
you do have to, it is very low budget, independently done by a small studio. Anubis and I, God, has it been like six years now? We were the big bad wolf in Little Red Riding Hood for Halloween, and we bought this wolf mask with these teeth, and it was terrifying. And in Creep, the guy's name is Peach Fuzz, and he had that same mask. Yeah. So again, like, that's why it's just not quite good enough to be great, but I still... So I wish there was, like, a good plus. Like, I, I'd, put, <laughs> I'd put Suspiria and Creep in good plus. All right. Okay, uh, okay, so you already did all your... Yes, you're on great now. Okay. In great. And I really do like these films. Uh, Final Girls. It's actually very entertaining. Sinister. Mm -hmm. Krampus. No One Lives. I really need to let Neko watch that because <laughs> Luke Evans is actually very good in that. Um, Stakeland. Troll Hunter. Excision. Which one's Stakeland? Did I already do that? That's a vampire. That was in one of your average, I think. Uh, excision. Did I not do Stakeland? I, did. I, I saw, didn't see it. It's in your average. Which one is it? It's right here. Oh, I okay, okay. Yeah, that's... Troll Hunter, Excision, Hereditary, and The Woman are in my grades. <clears throat> my grades are Mayhem, Dark Shadows, I'm sorry. I don't know why I like, I, I like, maybe it's just because I saw the old Dark Shadows, because being uh, an insomniac faux life, they used to put all these older sitcoms and stuff on late at night, and I remember seeing it, and then we saw the, the remake, and I'm like, this is just like the fucking TV show, and remember when Alice Cooper came out, and yeah, anyway, <laughs> so, Deathgasm, what's the one with the noose? Um, that is Conjuring. Conjuring. Mm-hmm. The Crazies. Clap, clap. Clap, clap. The Crazies, Final Girls, Sinister, a.k.a. Mr. Boogie, mm -hmm. Excision, Cabin in the Woods, and The Woman, which I just saw for the first time recently, and I was just like... Stood out. So, I was pretty pleased with that, because you told me it was part of a, a trilogy. trilogy. Mm hmm and I was concerned that you would be lost. Yeah, I was concerned that I wouldn't get it or whatever, but where it picks up. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, the first movie, by the time it ends, you're not really even thinking about the second one. So, like, you could watch the first one without even ever seeing any of the other ones. The third one is a bit different because even though you could start watching it, you're going to be like, well, I don't get it. Where did these two come from? Mm -hmm. So you almost have to watch the, the, the second one to get to where they're going now. I got it. Uh, yeah, okay. So now for the best. We got quite a best list up there. Actually, I only have five. And you have... Three. Three, so... I have Mayhem. Definitely love that film a lot. I had it in great... I told you my great and best is just, you know. Uh, I also have Deathgasm, Train to Busan, Let Me In, and The Evil Dead 2013 Remake. So, in my best, 
It's probably because I'm a sad, sick person, but I have Midsommar <laughs> <laughs> trying to Busan and the Evil Dead remake. Now, I'm surprised Midsommar is that high on your list. Not because it's not really a decent film, but the thing that kind of gets me is it's so much of a a nod to The Wicker Man that I, I always have a problem with that because it's, it's just But see, so... it's way better than The Wicker Man. See, I don't think so, personally. <laughs> it's it's a bit funnier in some ways because like the whole like dude dresses a bear at the end. He didn't choose to dress as a no, bear. No, no, but I'm just saying that's what made it kind of funny because they they had them all decorated in the, the little house or whatever it was they were going to torch and So for me, it's probably because I'm a woman that makes this a little bit higher than you. Yeah, I think it has to do with the cheating thing and the guy was a piece of shit. That and... <laughs> you gotta realize, she lost everything at the beginning. And she was a wreck. And she comes to this small community and is completely, like, embraced... You know? And at first, she's just as, like, terrified as everyone else. She is, like, what the fuck is going on? And then she finds out, like, you know, her boyfriend was the vessel. <laughs> or not the vessel, the giver of the seed. And Yeah, it, 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 yeah, that doesn't really explain much. I mean, the point, there's a lot in there you have to watch. You really have to kind of... For me, it is a big nod to... It's, it's almost like she's getting revenge without getting revenge. And she's also becoming her own person. And for the longest time, it seemed like she, she was kind of stuck and always... Well, she had faced a lot of tragedy mm -hmm. with her family, so that was part of it. That's She was almost like this broken girl who was really attached to her boyfriend. Like, she ended up coaxing him to take her on this trip because it was actually designed by uh, a friend of theirs and spoiler alert her sister was mentally unstable killed herself and her parents inside their house carbon monoxide poisoning by taking a tube to the car into everyone's bedrooms yeah so that's how the movie kind of starts and also they take a sledgehammer to an old man's head so there's Things in there that are just shocking. Now, am I going to watch this a lot? Probably not, because I can remember the entire fucking movie. <laughs> but it, it, if it's something that gave me that kind of, like, reaction, and that is how it becomes... And I think you have to remember, this is also the same guy, Ari uh, Aster, who did the Hereditary. It's another one of his movies, so... The fact that both of these movies made in our, our, our list is pretty decent. It is for, pretty decent. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that, I know a lot of people probably are thinking, you know, Midsommar, whatever. But for me, again, there is so much, like, undertone to it. And there's so much as a woman that I feel watching this. Because, remember the part where they're like tripping out in the field and everything like they're again i know it's not probably like 
Silence of the Lambs level. However, it it spoke to... I feel like a fucking hippie. It spoke to me in such a way that I... Like, I, I can't... If we start... We're, I'm thinking... I'm not gonna stop thinking about it all night because it's it's there in my head. And that is... That's why. So that's why it gets up on my best. But, I mean, Train to Busan... <sighs> Yeah, self self said. I I and again, <clears throat> excuse me. That again, that's one that we just watched. I watched for the first time, and I'm like, this is so good and so emotional and so bloody and disgusting that I have to. I, I <laughs> so good. And who was the guy that we figured out was um, he was also in Squid Game. I think it's the guy that played the father, mm-hmm. the lead guy. I think he was the guy that was conning people into playing That's the game. right. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, let's jump back into our music, and we'll have one more topic here soon. So here's some new Autumn's Nostalgia, Memento Revere.
Hey everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. special one because I actually, you know, listened to the Chad Duke show and they were talking about this movie um, and I had never seen it and DJ Anubis had just ordered it so like I stopped listening to that episode. It's actually another one of those films I have on VHS <laughs> actually. I will we'll get to this in a little bit but I have, I'm working on, I ordered the converter thing and we're going to work on converting some of the old VHSs that we don't have to digital and some personal things like the home movies and stuff. But anyway. Oh, I do have to mention, though, that Uh-oh. Frodo didn't make it. Freya got him, and he's dead. <gasps> so, so Sorry, Frodo. You're dead. Frodo? I thought that was Bilbo. Frodo, no. Frodo was the one that got stung by Shalab. Or the spider. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So we just fed uh, Freya Cricket, and she went to town on it very fast. So it was funny with that. I'm sitting here, and I'm, like, at perfect eye level with the spider. And she, she's she been very active today. This is her new home. Well, she was chilling, and they say that when night comes around, it gets a little more active. And she has been moving around, so I figured, well, let's see if she's hungry. And I, like... She was really facing her back end towards me on the side of the aquarium. So I had the tweezers with the, the cricket and put up just barely next to her, her back hind leg and immediately, boom. I didn't even, it was so fast, I didn't even know if the fucking cricket was still there. I thought it was on the ground. And Metneka was like, oh my god, she just took it and ate. She, like... And this is a very gentle spider and a very calm spider. 
like when DJ Anubis had the doors open to feed her, she's just chilling on the side on the little tree limb and she is not aggressive. She doesn't, but when the cricket came out, he just kind of like placed it right next to her and she's like, food, thanks. And it, it was, was so fast. It was so fast. And, but she's just enjoying her meal right now and it's so crazy and she's starting to web. And I think, um, DJ Anubis is right. Like, she, was kind of been feeling out the place all day because she's not sure like she's like okay this is not the same house I had before but it's warm and there's you know trees and stuff and there's some water but I don't know about food source and um he said that DJ Anubis said that doing some research on these are pink toad tarantulas they um they're kind of hesitant to like lay their webs until they know that it's going to be a good hunting ground. So we're hoping to see some webs. We are such nerds, but I love it. And I have got to send some pictures to my cousin because she is going to be like in love with these tarantulas. Anyway, anyway back to deep cover. Yeah. Deep cover is our movie uh, for the retro DVD movie vault. And, and, uh, and, and sorry. And as I was saying, I didn't, I was listening to Chad Dukes and he was, they picked this as their, because they have the Fortress Film Society. And I, I know it sounds like I, I'm copying off of them. I'm not. I I wanted to watch this movie and then they started talking about it. And DJ Anubis, he's seen this movie a million times and he ordered it because it was something that he hadn't had on DVD. So since I hadn't seen it, I was like, please, let's watch this. This is our DVD. Usually what we do as a DVD movie vault is a kind of um, remembrance or like nostalgia type thing. It was for him, <laughs> but for me, I had never seen it. So I, I really wanted to see it. And then I, I listened back to the Fortress Film Society and they said all the same things I did. Totally 90s. Big ass suit jackets with the big. Well, even with going through this, like I rediscovered some things I hadn't even known about the film. Like you know, I really loved the film, and I saw it way back when it was released. So I was like, it became like one of my favorite films. I know it sounds funny because I didn't have it on DVD, but I did buy the VHS back then, and that was that was the thing in the nineties when it was VHS. I still had VCRs and all that kind of shit. We still so. have a VCR. But. Uh, upon revisiting this film with the DVD that I got and nice little cover, we, if you saw our YouTube vid, we showed the, the cover for it and everything. Uh, it was directed by Bill Duke, who, for those that don't know, the dude was an actor who was in many, many Arnold Schwarzenegger films, so like Predator, Commando. Uh, stuff like that. He, he, you know, he's the guy that plays a lot of the roles in those films, uh, opposite of like Jesse Ventura and stuff like that. So I was quite surprised because it's a very, very good film, very well written, very well directed. Uh, the film also has, aside from Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Larry, Jeff, Larry, Larry Fishburne. <laughs> it's still Lawrence Fishburne. Even, even Roger Ebert calls him Lawrence. But it has uh, Jeff Goldblum in it, uh, William, uh, Clarence Williams III. Mm -hmm. uh, so some familiar faces in this, all very good, all very good roles, very good acting. Um, 
the basis premise of this is that Fishburne is playing a, a, basically a street cop who is being interviewed for a new assignment by federal agent uh, Smith, played by Charles Martin, who wants him to go undercover under a drug ring to try to expose uh, the drug, was it the drug cartel or just... Yeah, the... so he wants him to get inside under quote-unquote deep cover so that he can figure out who the top person is. They're like, we don't want all these like street-level people. We want to know where the source is coming right. from. So, I didn't play it in my intro because Neko thought it might be a little too controversial, but when Martin is interviewing black officer candidates for this job uh he has one particular line of uh questioning to see what the reaction is from these officers because that's all going to play in a part in how he chooses who's going to do this so his question basically i'm not going to say the actual word because i know people just get uncomfortable with it but he's basically saying uh what is the difference between a black guy and an inn and you can all guess what the end means and whatnot. So the first guy he's interviewing is basically saying he's a little uncomfortable. He's nervous. He's like, well, I don't know. And then, of course, Martin's like, well, an end wouldn't know the answer to that. So he kind of, like, <laughs> insulted the guy and then blew him off. And then he, the guy left. Next guy that comes in says the same line of questioning. This time, this is a bigger dude who's ready to beat down and on Martin. And he is pissed right. off. He was, like, getting ready to choke him out. Right. So... <laughs> But Martin is kind of a funny moment too. Martin's like, "Okay, well, have a good day." You know, it's kind of like. Finally, though, when Fishburne's character gets in there, uh, is it John Hall? Is that right? I know his last name is Hall. So he gets in there, Hall, John Hall. Mm -hmm. uh, he gets in there and he asks him the same question, and, and Fishburne's just basically like, "Well, an end would never even really answer that question," and it's an important piece because. It showed Martin that he's cool under pressure, which is what he wanted. The other part of it is, towards the end of the film, actually towards the very end of the film, it's a question that Lawrence Fishburne's character asks Martin at the end because things get dicey and mm -hmm. whatnot. So it all comes full circle a little bit. Uh, so Fishburne gets the job of going undercover and basically he's going to start out as a dealer trying to, you know, work his way into the circles of these and he's like in this seedy hotel right with a bunch of drug addicts and this girl and her son live across the hallway like he's really playing the part like he is i'm going to if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it right and it should be noted that he comes into this and this is important because he comes into this this role as a guy who as a kid watched his father try to rob a liquor store drunk and got shot in the process so his dad despite all his faults was telling him you know you never do this shit because he was snorting coke before he went in and, you know I, I, th this particular scene has been in other movies uh different movies i think even horror movies um but for this sake of this movie father's hooked on drugs and alcohol goes in gets the money but he shot someone in the process but as he's coming out the clerk comes out and shoots him with a shotgun and kills his dad right in front of him so really Fishburne's character is like well I've never touched alcohol or drugs since then like I'm a clean guy I don't do that now his 
temptations and everything else are going to be tested because he's got to be a drug dealer. And as you all know who've watched films like this, a lot of times drug dealers will have you test the product because they don't believe that you're not someone who does the product. Mm -hmm. So that plays a part somewhere along the film as well. So what ends up happening is uh, Fishburne's character ends up starting with the lower guy named Eddie who is hooked on drugs really bad, but he's one of the big dealers in the area that he's in. So he's trying to work his way into this clique or this circle. The best part when he's like, I knew Eddie would come to me. Right. Like, he's just like, I knew he would come to me. And that's the thing. Fishburne's character is very smart, so he he knows how to read people. And he's like, I didn't have to do much because Eddie was going to come to me. And that was the thing. Like, once he was in with Eddie, it was just a matter of time. Now, Well, first, he he gets in with Eddie. The way he gets in with Eddie is because he he buys drugs, and he's not going to use the drugs because right. he's not a user. And he because he's not a snitch, they find out that he didn't actually buy drugs. He bought baby laxatives instead of drugs. So then after he was not a snitch to the the religious guy like he didn't rat out who he bought it from that's when eddie is like i knew i could count on you man and he's like he's like a rhymer he thinks he's a poet and but then he dresses in like a gray suit and drinks white wine it's bizarre like he is not what you expect at all yeah and before we get to further with eddie uh eddie's main partner at this point is a lawyer uh, played by Jeff Goldblum and Goldblum is a smooth customer here he's got a family kid uh, sharp looking dude but he he's kind of more on the back end kind of person right so he he kind of controls sort of what Eddie's doing without getting his hands dirty at this point Uh, so but if anybody like Eddie gets in trouble you know Goldblum is the first one to be there to handle this kind of stuff. And he's the one who represented um, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Yeah, when he got arrested. When he got arrested. Yeah, and so that opened up the door for John Hull to work with uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, which I can't remember his name. Off David now. Jason. Yep. There you go. So he's working with David there, and now it's a matter of we we all of a sudden find out that David has got uh, sort of like a, a dream to build his own drug that isn't as addictive as what's been out there. It's like a super drug of some sort, but it's it's, it's the same thing as cocaine, but like not yeah, but not illegal. Right. You know, like whatever that means. But. He hasn't put it on the market because he really isn't quite sure of himself yet, and he's you know he doesn't really want to mess. But up. he also has to have somebody make it. Like he right. knows what what's what he's doing, but he's gonna have to come up with the cash and have somebody make it. Right. So, at some point, this is where Fishburne is kind of like, kind of starting to fall into the character that he's portraying. Because that's when they introduce him to uh, Barbosa. Right. And then they play the, the slapping game. Right. Well, and then, like, there is a moment before mm-hmm. that where uh, they have a rival drug dealer in the area who's really been shooting people and just killing people left and right. Oh, my God. So, 
Fishburne's character and J- David and John get together, and they're like, well, we have to take care of this because we can't have this guy mm-hmm. just going around mm-hmm. ruining business. So keep in mind, John is an undercover cop, so there's this major dilemma with him having to actually kill somebody, but in order to stay in character, in order to not... What was it that Martin says? Like, don't blow your cover. That's what mm-hmm. it's all about. Do not blow your cover. So, and it's really weird, Martin, too, because Martin has this god complex as the agent who's running the show, and he kind of plays with John a little bit, and we, we'll get to more later on with that. But John ends up having to shoot this guy in the bathroom of a club uh, to put him down and get him out of the way. Which he does. Remember he peed on his feet? Yeah. Oh, my and that, God. But that's another great scene. That's something that Roger Ebert mentioned in his review, which he gave like three and a half stars out of five. Or four and a half stars, excuse me. Is that the acting in this is very legit. Like, Lawrence Fishburne goes into that bathroom. He's not like just walking in and smoking his dude. He's like nervous, scared. He's not interested in killing a person. Right. That's not what right. he wants to do. But, uh, of course, the other guy is taunting him and pissing on him. And it's like, you know, you're just a bitch. And eventually he does shoot him. Uh, and <laughs> the guy who got shot is like, bitch, you know, before he dies. Like, he's so pissed off he got shot. Because he was like, you should have shot me when my back was turned. Right, bitch. right. Uh, so they get rid of him, and that, that solves that problem. So then they can start controlling the street with their drugs and whatnot. Uh, now, keep in mind, these are the drugs that are still coming from Barbosa and who's the lead guy, the top uh, diplomat? Oh, 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 Gallegas. Yeah, yeah. So, they're doing that, and then eventually, they're still trying to, I forget what they were doing in the club to begin with. It wasn't so much about David's drug line, but that was something he had talked about before, Barbosa. And Barbosa and, but was, Barbosa mocking, was him. mocking him. Right. And it was just really pissing off David a lot. Like, David's very sensitive to that kind of stuff. And Fishburne can kind of see what's going on and is trying to get Barbosa to lay off a little bit. This is after they've taken care of Eddie, uh, who had snitched on him. Because uh, Eddie turned in Fishburne's character, Hall. And that's what pissed off Barbosa. So that's why Eddie's no longer with us. <laughs> so, he got beat in the head on a pool table with a pool stick half mm-hmm. a pool stick yeah so Barbosa is now kind of he likes Fishburne's character a lot uh Hull he really likes him he's like you know you don't talk you bring us in a lot of money with your your way to get your drugs out uh but he has like sort of a lack of respect for David even though David's the one that kind of controls who goes to jail who doesn't he's very good at his job because he's a lawyer right but he just kind of pokes fun at him. And I forget, it's Gopher, is the, the small dude that's mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And it's his birthday. And they're in that weird, like, there was like a nun stripping. Yeah. And he's like, come on, it's my birthday. Come on. As he kept saying, come on, it's my birthday. Don't do this. Right. And uh, so, yeah, Barbosa starts playing a game with David about slapping the hands at him, punching him or whatever. Mm. He flipped his rings around. Oh, that's and right. They played like the slapping game. Yeah, and he was where you like kind of like knuckles red. Yeah. So David eventually leaves with Fishburne, and you know that part is kind of calmed down. But David's still steaming about this, 
And this is sort of the point where the both guys are going to be partners. This is after he says he's going to kill that drug dealer. That he's going to be, you know, 50-50 with David on this new drug line that they're going to be doing. And he does, and they're both, like... The shock on both of their faces, because David has not been a, a dirty hands person. He's been a behind-the-scenes person. And then, you know, Lawrence Fishburne is a cop. So he's never just killed anybody for fun. Right? Like, so after he comes out of that bathroom and David's like, it's done. And he's like, it's, it's yeah. the, the, like the face, the facial expressions of how shocked they were was like on point. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's interesting about the film overall is the transformation of both characters because David, David, who went from like very timid, very, uh, well, wait, wait, cautious. we got, we got to keep on going. Because there's more that is going to be the breaking point for David. Well, go ahead. No, you don't. Go ahead. I'm not sure what you're talking about, so I, I just... Go ahead. So, John Hall, Lawrence Fishburne's um, character, he's been building it up. He's got the fancy apartment and stuff, and um, apparently there's a big drug deal going down with... Uh, What's his face? Not Gallegos. Uh, Barbosa. And his lieutenant, the police uh, chief, uh, lieutenant Stevens. Is that was it? What was his name? I can't remember. But he um, he says it's time to get out. You got to get out. Do not go to this. Do not do. That's on Martin. Yeah, Martin. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Martin. And when that happens, he didn't get out he said i've got it under control and he lawrence fishburne didn't 100 percent have it under control they go to this drug deal because it's supposed to be the biggest drug deal of the century and what they find out is barbosa is an informant and it kind of was i wasn't expecting it but like john hall Lawrence Fishburne's character, he's like doing the thing, and the, and he's like got the gun to his face, and then he, that's how he realizes he flips over Barbosa's tie, and there's a wire, which is the worst place in the world I think to put a wire, but like I thought you put it like up your butthole, because isn't that what they always do? Anyway, he sees that, and David, Jeff Goldblum, cracks. Like that is what just. That is the point where David just turns into a whole different person. And that's that whole limo chase scene. Mm -hmm. And it was insane. Like, they eventually kick, uh, they kick Barbosa. First of all, he gets shot in the hand a couple of times. And then he gets kicked out of the limo and they get hit by a car. It was really great. A police car. A police out. car. Because the police <laughs> came. chasing them. So, the reason why the police lieutenant was telling him not to go to this is because well, that's he... that's actually the FBI guy. Or, excuse me, the FBI guy was telling him not to go to it was because he knew it was a setup. Mm-hmm. He knew that the cops were going to be there. He's like, don't go, don't do it. I'm, I'm, I am demanding you don't do it, blah, blah, blah. He knew, he knew the cops were going to be there, and he knew 
that Barbosa was an FBI informant. That, yeah, this is what, that rat motherfucker. Right, this is where things change because the guy above Barbosa is now Gallegos. somebody. Gallegos. He's somebody who the government likes. Like they want him there for some reason now. But Fishburne is like, aside from the craziness that Goldblum is now having, David. Because okay, so Gallegos comes to meet with Jason and Stevens and informs them that they have inherited Barbosa's debts. Right. Right? Yeah. So Carver pulls a gun on Stevens and orders him to surrender his weapon in the car. Stephen disarms Carver and forces him to admit the State Department has decided to leave Gallegos alone because Guzman may someday be useful as a political asset to them and Carver has decided to play along in exchange for career advancement. Right. And that's and that's troubling for uh, Hall because, you know, he's working his ass off to bring these guys down and now all of a sudden they're telling him, well, it doesn't matter. And he's done all this bad mm-hmm. shit to get to where he is now. So obviously the fallout between... <laughs> David and Barbosa, where Barbosa's kicked out of the limo and he dies. Now they've inherited uh, okay, uh, Barbosa's debt, but both Hall and David know that Guzman's gonna kill them anyway. Like he just, they just know this. But you know what Guzman has? Diplomatic immunity. Right. So. I forget who the dude was right above Barbosa, though, because that's the guy they shot in. Gallegos. The, yeah, they shot him. Uh, they were supposed to turn in some money, and so they set it up to where they were going to pretend to give him most of the money and then, you know, get whatever's left. But, of course, Gallegos is like, well, yeah, I'm just going to add more interest to it, though, because you don't have the whole thing. And then, of course, uh Hall and uh, David kill everyone there except for one dude who they want to tell Guzman to come and meet him themselves because they've got all his money because they ended up finding it in that truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in the meantime, uh, Clarence Williams III, who plays a, a local cop, has been kind of harassing John Hall about any. I guess, in a way, you can kind of sense that Hall isn't what he is expecting to be. Like, he doesn't know he's a cop, but he just knows there's something different about him. So he's like, come on, man. You know you're better than this. You're, you're killing kids out there with this smack and all this other shit. So they have this, like, connection where they respect each other, yet they come from two different points of view. And, of course, Hall is trying to protect his cover, so he's not giving it away. He's just being the drug dealer, and he's laughing them off and all that kind of stuff. So when we finally get to the final scene here, or at least close to the final scene they're at the docks they plan on uh, debuting their new drug with Guzman who they think they can make a lot of money with so they have them try it obviously at the docks they have the money in the van they were planning on giving it back Uh, so it was all like a good faith thing now Williams III his cop character is there and he's trying to like just make a bus like he's ready to stop them all firsthand uh and he's not really privy to any of the stuff with guzman and the government and everything else so he's just there to try to stop a drug bus and they were even telling him the dispatchers even telling him not to do it but he's like no no these guys are going down uh 
so he comes out and he hasn't had backup yet so he's out there and uh guzman and the way diplomats are he's kind of like you know what we're just here walking around. We we don't have anything, dude. Yeah, we talking? don't. I don't know what you're talking I don't, what about. What van are you talking about, dude? We're, 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 yeah, we're leaving. They get in their cars and they leave. And now it's just Williams Third and uh, John Hall and David. And I forget Williams Third's character in this, but he, he's pulling a gun on Hall. He was a detective. Right. He's telling uh, Hall that he needs to put the gun down and put his hands up because he's going to get somebody that night. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get who he really wanted, but he's going to get john hall for this and hall's got his gun out and neither one really want to shoot each other they're just kind of like saying to each other you know put it down whatever and then out of the blue once the third is shot a couple times and it's david who's up further up on the the what would you call it the walk plank that you have that you gangway gangway (laughs) very good I, i can ask the expert about the ship we can talk about boats yeah so he shoots Clarence Williams character, Detective, and that really phases John Hall a lot because he really respects the detective a lot, so he's, he's got him in his arms and he's trying to keep him alive. He's telling him to stay awake and all this. He's not wearing his flat jacket like he's supposed to, so Hall's kind of pissed off like, about that. why the fuck aren't you wearing your vest? Right. Where's your vest? <clears throat> so, David... <laughs> And this is that transformation where all David is like, okay, we gotta go. He's getting the truck down. He's got it ready to go. He's coming back. Mind to you, David was wearing like gray tweed suits, and now he's got like a leather trench coat, like he's Slicked fucking Morpheus from the Matrix. Right. Uh, and he's like, he continues to say, "John, let's go." And then when John is like telling him, "I'm a cop," he's like, "Okay, well, let's go," because. <laughs> He, he realizes that even if John's undercover, John is probably going to be okay with doing this with him, except for what just happened with the detective. So Yeah, and he's probably like, yeah, I, I know you killed a guy, so right. I got immunity myself. Right, so the biggest mistake here, if you're just following the movie, is that David really likes John Hall. They're, they're good partners. They, they did really well together, and he really likes him. He, he really does. But David is kind of just falling all the way in with the criminal life because I don't. I, you never hear about his family. His family obviously he still has him, but I don't think he really cares about him. Obviously, he's had affairs with black women and all that stuff too. But well, we'll get back to her because Dar. Uh, what's his face? John Hall was, like, really into, um, what's her face? Uh, the, uh... What was her name? Artifact so, woman. Betty. Yeah. She was an art dealer. And... Laundering money for him. They were laundering money through South Africa and returning it in a, uh, m- donation form or yeah. some shit. And, um, Jeff Goldblum was fucking her, and then... No, I don't think Goldblum's fucking her. He was fucking another chick. No, he was fucking her. I don't think so, because he... was fucking her. He seemed so surprised when John was able to do it. Mm. That was... There was another chick he was banging, but I think he liked her, but I don't think he ever actually got on with her, but when John succeeded, he's like, wow. (laughs) He was impressed. Um... But, yeah, we gotta wrap this up a little bit. But, I know. Uh, so, okay, so 
David's there, and he's trying to get John to get in the truck so they can go, because they can hear police cars coming. So whatever backup is... He's calling, like, the code over the... Yeah, yeah, because John was trying to save this detective's life, so he's like, you know, cop, officer down. David's like, we gotta go. Is this what's holding us up? And then he shoots the cop one more time in the chest and kills him. And this is where it just pisses off Hall. He's like, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And he's in tears, and he's angry. And he's like, why did? Let's go. Because, <laughs> again, David's like, no care. No fucks David given. has switched. Yeah. So now as David's getting ready to walk away, John starts reading his rights, the Miranda rights. And David turns around and they're kind of like just doing this small talk and staring each other down. And David tries to shoot him, misses him. And then Hall shoots David and just one time and it's like done. Like he starts to die and can't really believe it. But finally at the very end... Um, He's in court. Yeah, he's in court. Martin's there who had put him undercover. And Martin has come to him and said, look, you need to say these things about us and our what we did. And if you don't, your girlfriend, who's the art dealer, we're going to put her in prison. This... Because we know what she did. Right. So in order to save face, Martin's like trying to use John to save his own ass, basically, because... You know, it's probably it didn't really go off as perfect as I like. And plus, it keeps in his mind. It keeps his in Martin's mind. It keeps him under the impression that John can't out Guzman. This is the big thing mm-hmm. that's coming up. So, uh, Hall says, "Okay, well, what do you want me to say exactly? And whatever you tell me, we're going to put that in writing. My lawyer's going to sign it, and then we'll go with that." So, what Martin does, he tells him what he's going to say. But doesn't say anything about Guzman, and this is where it gets fun because once the I don't know what 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 is he facing there? It's it's like a a few people, but it's is it judges or what is it exactly? It's it's a it's a hearing okay. basically on what happened because they know he was in deep cover, right? So they're not really giving him a lot of blame, but what his FBI guy was basically trying to do is. He wanted to save face for that organization. Plus, he still wanted that promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on top of that, because they were allowing Barbosa to be an informant, mm-hmm. even though they had someone else under deep cover. And in the end, they really didn't want um, Gallegos because of he... They, he had, like, diplomatic ties. So, all of this was just kind of, like, a big fucking waste of time, more than anything. Right. So, when this all went down, he wanted John Hall, Detective Stevens, to basically say he was, he thinks that everything that was led by his director is right, and blah, a success, blah, blah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's there telling this panel of people that, you know, he wouldn't be able to succeed without Martin and the head honchos who arranged it and all. And then the question was asked to him, well, do you consider it a success? And he's like, almost. (laughs) And this is where it gets fun. He's like, he gets a videotape from Gopher, who we didn't even know was filming stuff there at the, the docks. Uh videotaping Guzman testing their product, the, the synthetic stuff. 
And so John Halls explains who Guzman is and what he means to uh, the politics and everything else. There's even a guy on the panel who's like pissed off. So he's clearly in on the mm-hmm. whole Guzman thing. He's like, I need to seize that videotape. And at this point, Hall's getting up with his lawyer and they're leaving. And there's a lot of reporters there asking questions. Martin chases him down. And he's like, you, you betrayed us or whatever it was he said. And like, he's like, no, I told him exactly what you told me to tell them. We have it in writing. I just didn't tell him about, we just didn't agree upon Guzman. He was all free game. Uh, which was really cool. And then, of course, we talked about the early part of the movie where when he's been interviewed, Martin's asking a certain phrase uh, between the black and the end. And Martin, again, is like, Sorry, Martin is kind of like just really just sniveling little sneaky weasel who at this point is like, well, you know, there was a lot of money on that truck and I'm not sure if all of it made it on there. So he's implying that uh, Hall took some, which he did. He, he was giving it to the girl that he cared about, the art dealer, to try to get her out of the country to save her ass. Uh, but Martin was like almost like trying to pin him with another offense of some sort mm-hmm. and that's when when Hall like asked him the same question he did and he punched him right in the gun he says well you know an end would never tell you that so that was, was funny yeah because the whole thing with Martin was that it, it the dial you don't Martin as bad as he was understood that John Hall was perfect for the role because it's like you know you have all this repressed rage and anger from your dad oh. That's right. They, they, like, pulled a whole psychological profile. They're like, you know what? You're, like, one degree away from a psychotic killer, so you'll be perfect for this. Yeah, he was like... But he he was so good at it. He's like, you know, your faults will be your 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 greatest assets mm-hmm. in this. And so that's basically... And really, when you watch John Hall through this, he is a very good criminal basically he knows what he's he doing he turned himself into a criminal right he, and he knew that he was making more money than he'd ever make as a cop um we don't know the impression is once he left the court round, courthouse with his lady that they were gonna go straight like it just it seems in his personality he didn't really like what he had become he liked the money but i think he understood that they were gonna be better people leaving all that shit behind like he knew that he got yeah, used 11 million dollars i mean come yeah. on yeah you get to make that last a while yeah uh great movie great acting i'm uh, happy i mean like literally guys this is the first time i've ever seen it and two thumbs up two big thumbs up and i'm sorry i know i'm just rambling we're rambling but this is a good movie yeah like for me Easily watchable again, something I would flip on regularly to have, because you know how I have my comfort things. She I said she liked it better than The Departed. No. Whoa. I'm kidding. She didn't say Very, that. very similar concepts, though, but only in Boston. Boston. Mm-hmm. There was a rat in your unit. That is a fact. <laughs> All right, let's get back into our music. Coffin Creep, kicking this out. New stuff, Iron Whiskey.
Hey, DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and Keiju related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course, everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace.
DJ Newis here. Neko is taking a little bit of a break. Get ready to wind down our evening. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. That was a Tombstone Blues thing in Tombstone Blue for Kevin Tarrant. Request. Thank you very much, sir. Good band. A lot of good music there with that. Uh, actually, introduced me to that band, so that's kind of cool. I appreciate that. Uh, hope you enjoyed the topics. I know it kind of went a little bit long today, but uh, hope you enjoyed the discussions, the reviews, and everything else, the ratings that we did, and uh, of course the tiers, the rankings. So, hope you enjoyed all that. Hope you enjoyed the music, and we will see you all next time. Got some dead grain cells closing us out. Negative reinforcements. See you later, buddy.